and welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaBias.com. Today, we're going to be talking about our picks for our Oscars if the Oscars gave us ballots. Yes. And I'm joined today with TJ, Hello. David, Hello. Brent. Hello. And I'm Chris, and we're going to do the damn thing. Yeah. We'll have recommendations later, or recommendations, predictions later, probably, in the week, an article. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, if we got a ballot, what we would do. We think yeah. it's pretty fun, and hopefully you do too. <laughs> There's not high. <laughs> We've already turned it off. So. Um, well, I'll, I will be inserting timestamps in here uh, because don't, don't write on my title, please. No, I have to write on your car title. Uh, in case you want to skip whole chunks or just fast forward to, um, you know. Categories you're interested in. Put it on top of the filing cabinet. That's what filing cabinets are for. Yeah. <laughs> Stack shit on top of them and never file it. Yeah. <clears throat> to be filed. Yeah. But anyway, I'm going to hand the reins over to David. Sure. So we're going to go through these categories in kind of uh, descending order in terms of, uh, or ascending order in terms of importance. We're going to start with the shorts and the last one we're going to do is best picture. So we'll say the nominees. I'll tell, uh, just for fun, what we awarded last year. Just cool. for... Uh, some continuity with how important this process is. <laughs> yeah, so what you're saying is they're going to hear a lot of, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we'll go through what uh, what we want to win in our ballots. Uh, we're going for a consensus here. So a, a 4-0 takes it, a 3-1 takes it, a 2-1-1. If we're stuck at 2-2, we debate it. Or 1-1-1-1. Yeah. Have we ever had a 1 1 1 1? I don't know. I don't know. It's <laughs> because there are going to be a few categories where it's 1 1. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, depending on how I'm feeling, I'll either abstain if I haven't seen some of them, or I'll just vote because I think that's what Oscar voters do. <laughs> They'll vote anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. I'll prepare my votes then. <laughs> I mean, you can do whatever well, you want the, to. The other major Oscar strategy that is catching headlines is people who just aren't going to vote. Oh, okay. So that works too. I'll do that then. <laughs> Back to plan one. <laughs> All right, starting off the categories, we're going to start with live action short. And uh, some of these I'll do my best to pronounce them correctly. Uh, Nominated for live action short are Brotherhood, uh, Neighbor's Window, Saria, A Sister, and Nefta Football Club. It's actually a sister. (laughs) A sister. And last year we awarded Skin as the the award winner. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What one? Uh, Skin. Oh, hey. Skin one. Good for us. I just want to like find out that we're like was Skin the one the the Death Girl? Skin was the Nazi one. I thought the Death Girl one won. Was that? Two oh years wait, ago? no, I think you're the right. the Death Girl one won because it was Cass's favorite. That's the only reason yeah. I remember that. Yeah, like what was it called? I don't remember. The Death. winner last year was Skin. Oh, two, two years, years ago, ago, the Silent Child. Oh, that's the Silent yeah, Child. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Two years. Well, because I would love to go through this process and then discover that we are the best predictor for the Oscars. Yeah. As go- going through this, I wrote them down, you will find out that not to be the case. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so uh, I'm going to admit I have not seen any of the shorts. So I'll either completely abstain or if uh, I'm going to just follow Chris. If you want something to win, I'm going to help you make it happen. <laughs> I watched three of the five, and I think Chris uh, called all five. Yeah, I got five of five here. Um, I'll go first then because you might not. Yeah, mine is less important than yours here. Uh, I watched Brotherhood, Nefta Football Club, and The Neighbor's Window. Uh, when I've got The Neighbor's Window, it was like a distant third out of those trio. There's not a lot going on there. Yeah, 
I don't really know. So I feel like in short films, it's like a good medium for we have a great idea. It's not worth 90 minutes. Sure. Um, and I feel like that just wasn't a great idea to begin with. Yeah. It's the, the, the basic plot is, is it is, um, uh, like a, an older couple with kids, uh, can see into the window of a neighbor's and they kind of covet their life. Like they're, they see them be like wildly sexual and And super hot, young party all the time, sleep late. Yeah. Tons of friends always having like guests over and then so they just kind of obsess about it and then slowly things kind of take a turn for the worse over there with the guy who's living in in the neighbor's apartment and he starts to get sick um and they you know it's it's exactly what you think it's about message wise from that point on um but yeah i also i also wasn't in love with it it was like i would really appreciate a short to not overstay its welcome, kind of drop the message that it wants, and then move on. But, like, as soon as it started, I kind of got it, and then it was, like, 20 more minutes. I'm just like, oh, well, I guess I'll, I mean, it's the only English one, so I'll hang around, but... <laughs> yeah, I was kind of done with it about halfway through, which is not great for a short film. Yeah. Know, like, um, the other two are close for me. I'm anxious to see what you want out of those. Uh, neither one of which thought was what I thought it was going to be about. Uh, Brotherhood is about uh, a Muslim family who has their oldest son come home, and he has been a member of ISIS, mm-hmm. essentially, and they've kind of disowned him, especially the dad. Mm-hmm. He comes home with a wife, <clears throat> and uh, pretty much just like, you know, 15 minutes of struggles there at home. Finally, the dad uh, essentially calls the cops and says, like, I've got a member of the Islamic State at my house. And when he gets back, he realizes that his son actually escaped with a woman who was, like, getting raped repeatedly. That's his wife, who's pregnant with some soldier's baby. Mm-hmm. And it pretty much ends with a dad running, trying to find his son to tell him to, like, run away. Because he fucked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> super heartbreaking, though. Just gut-wrenching movie. But well-acted Yeah, for a short film. Uh, I also assume those brothers were all real brothers, because they looked fucking identical. They looked identical, and they all looked very unique. But, yeah. They're like... They all have they Irish, yeah, almost. like like reddish hair, freckles, like really pale skin. Hmm. It's a very like distinct appearance for the two of them. And then my pick here was probably Neft Football Club. Um, it was kind of hilarious, which I yeah. didn't think it was going to be. Yeah, I thought it was going to be super depressing. Yeah, uh, I love a short based off of a loose donkey yeah. <laughs> that's got headphones on, yeah. which is what this is. So it's these drug dealers who have figured out the perfect way to traffic, and this guy has trained his donkey that if he puts headphones on it and plays a specific song, the donkey will just walk straight. And the guy who actually did it uh, put the headphones on and put well, Adele. No, instead of Adele, which is it needed to be someone like you by Adele for the donkey to come home, <laughs> he played some like Algerian pop star called Adele. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the joke that, always, that got me good was when he was... Saying like, have you ever heard of Pavlov? And he was like, I don't even know pop singers. How do I know Russian pop singers? <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. So you, you said that that one surprised you as to what it was about. Just this tone, right? Oh well, the uh, I was going to say it's. I, I, I looked at the poster for the movie, and it just says two brothers meet a donkey wearing headphones in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, nice. Not nice. hooked. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, the other two, uh, sorry, is like really upsetting. Uh, unsurprisingly, it is about a real uh, orphanage in uh, South America, 
where uh, the women are kind of used there as um, like playthings by the like local soldiers and are uh, and it's led by this like woman who's just like a crazy disciplinarian like you know they get the shit beat out of them um, and then they decide to uh, try to escape and then when they're punished uh, the disciplinarian woman basically like locks them in and uh, like the 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 girls try to escape by being like oh there's a fire in here and they start a fire and they can't put it out and it's a real event that happened where like 97 women died Ugh. Um, yeah. And, uh, so that's not my pick. <laughs> that sounds like a bit of a departure for the director, Brian Buckley, who, uh, is best known as the king of Super Bowl commercials. What? <laughs> he is, uh, he has directed 63 Super Bowl commercials in his career, including, uh, Monkey's Apology, Monkey Basketball, and Monkey 2. <laughs> I love the Monkey series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, but my vote this year is going to be for a sister. Mm. Um, I was... Talking about it on the podcast with Kelly and Brent, uh, it's just, it, it fe- feels, if this wins, it will feel like justice for that Danish movie that we saw, TJ, about the 911 call operator. Oh, uh, yeah. It is a very similar structure to that. Oh, cool. It's, there's a woman in a car, uh, a woman in a call center gets a call from, a, from another woman. You see the people in the car. And they start having a really cryptic conversation where... The Guilty is the name of it. The Guilty, yeah. Where the woman in the car is basically saying, talking to her sister about like what the kids are going to do tonight because she's going to be out late. And the 911 operator is like trying to figure out where she is and what's going on by asking questions and getting like near-miss answers from the woman in the car as to not give away what happened well, that uh, sounds to the person who is kidnapping. Entertaining? Her. Yeah. Um, so that's my pick this year. Cool. Yeah, I'll doubt of that for sure. You've seen all five. I did do that. Yeah. I can throw my abstain vote your way to clear it to victory, <laughs> unless Brent has any, has seen these, or has any, uh... I've seen none. Okay. No. <clears throat> we'll say it's a sister, then. We've got a winner. Cool. Nice. A sister. A sister. Let's say you say it. All right, congratulations to sister. Delphine Gerard. Here's your Oscar. There you go. All right, next we have a documentary short. Um, last year we awarded A Night at the Garden, um, that, uh, didn't end up winning. The period end of sentence that was doc the, ended up winning. That was the three minute long Madison Square Garden Nazi rally. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 Um, this year's nominees are Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone as a Girl, uh, St. Louis Superman, Walk Run Cha-Cha, In the Absence, and Life Take, Life Overtakes Me. Say the Superman is not available legally yet, and they wouldn't respond to my badgering them via email. So, no one has seen it. They don't want to win our award. Yeah, <laughs> there are people they who had a chance. Snoozy lose. Yeah. Obviously, some voting members of the Academy have seen it, and some people who got lucky and caught it at festivals have seen it. But other than that, the internet is clamoring for this one. But it'll be out this week. It might be out by the time you're listening to this. Yeah. But Chris, this is pretty much all you. I've watched uh, some of one, but I'll let you take the reins. Yeah. Well, I'll start from the bottom up in these uh, so that I give myself time to remember what In the Absence is about. Um, (laughs) So Walk Around Cha-Cha, I talked about it on previous casts, but it's just a fun documentary about uh, Vietnamese immigrants who kind of pour, like older Vietnamese immigrants who kind of pour their life into learning uh, to dance and like paying a dance instructor and this like kind of small but strong community of immigrants from Vietnam 
who all are just like super into dance now. And it ends with this like really well shot uh, dance number between the husband and wife who've been practicing the whole time. It's really sweet. Uh, and you'll find that that's kind of a tone shift in the shorts this year is, is you know, shorts are such a chore most years. But this mm-hmm. year there's like maybe one per category that's just miserable. A little less of children dying. Yes. All yeah. over the place. You'll want to go to Best Documentary for that this year. <laughs> yeah, that one movie took care of that for all categories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are two movies about this year in documentary that are about hospital workers in Syria. So enjoy that later. At least it's nice there. Yeah, St. Louis Superman, fuck that movie. Um, this is getting my uh, all the money in the world vote. Where if I don't, if this ends up being the one movie I don't see by the Oscars, then it's dead to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is hard for Superman. Uh, <laughs> uh, the next one, Life Overtakes Me, uh, is uh, really interesting, but. I, like, have a weird, like, bullshit meter that might be going off. It's about refugees in various conflicts. They all, um, all of the refugee children who come back to Norway develop this syndrome. I believe it's called containment syndrome. I forget. Resignation? Resignation syndrome. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard of this. Um, this doc. And it, they, the kids basically go into a, like, waking coma. Um, and one of the cures for it is finding out that like your home country has been, is like no longer in conflict, but it's like a real condition. Like these kids aren't faking it, but it just seems strange to me when I said bullshit meter, because of all of the of all of the cases, it's just being documented and researched by Norway, which is the landing country for these kids. Yeah. It sounds like it might, there might not be, you could not be faking something and still have mass hysteria be a cause. Right. Or doctor influence. Yeah. The other thing is that for the Norwegian government, if you're diagnosed with this, you cannot be um, deported. Deported. Okay. So there's almost a political strategy to. Yeah. Yeah. Not saying it's it's not real, but that's that is a element that is beneficial for it. Yeah, it is kind of interesting because like they they follow four or five kids, and like over the course of the doc short, like you see their condition. I mean, it can't worsen, uh, but you see kind of get better as they learn stuff about, like, their official immigration status. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, when the kids are told that, like, they start to get better. Um, It's it's interesting. It's just not my favorite this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we've got In the Absence. Oh, that's right. That's what this one was. Uh, It's the uh, sinking. It's chronicling the sinking of the seawall passenger ferry in uh, Southeast Asia, where the government basically did nothing and uh, half of the 400-plus passengers drowned, um, despite the government being aware of it and probably able to intercede in a timely manner, and they just didn't um, for whatever reason. Um, A bunch of people in the South Korean government were uh, uh, impeached and kicked out of office and arrested, uh, because of this and because of their inaction and their inability to like make a fucking judgment call. Um, you know, this is like, where do you want to go eat? And they were like, I don't know. Like you decide for like a span of an hour and a half. And by the time that was over, the seawall had completely submerged underwater. And then they were like, Hey, we should, we should probably send divers in to get them. And it's like, that, that was the decision that ended up being made instead of let's get the passengers off before it goes underwater. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of, Huh. Go into that. That sounds super. I'm very interested in that, like, you know, Marvel Civil War kind of argument. Like, do we 
do we need to be like kept in check and have all these policies in place to make us go through these things to make right. decisions? Um, sounds interesting. Yeah. Uh, and it's only the second South Korean movie ever nominated for an Oscar. Oh. Along with Parasite this year. Nice. Nice. Um, and then the last one, which is my vote, is learning to skateboard in a war zone if you're a girl. I, I sung this, this short's praises a while ago, but it is just so fucking uplifting. Um, the instructors at Skatistan are just so rad. Um, and what they're doing for the community there, because it's not just like, and they're teaching girls to skateboard. They're teaching girls, period. That's mm-hmm. like an accomplishment um, where they would be at home waiting for the men to be there to tend to. They now have like a, a informal but like good education, and it's just like their PE credit is they all learn to skateboard, and it's awesome. Yeah, there's a. I watched half of this this morning, like as y'all were arriving, uh, the first half. Obviously, <laughs> that'd be weird. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, it was it was a delight. There's a great scene in the like first two minutes of the movie where they're trying to have the girls stand up and define what like courage is. And there's a great moment where it's like the shyest girl in the class is like standing up and she's like beat red. And they're like, what do you need to do to have courage? And the girl was like, next to her, she was like, say, read the Quran. And she was just like, go to school. And then she sat down and like buried her head. And she's like, oh man, they just want to, they just want to go to school. Yeah. <laughs> but so that's my pick uh, for this year. Um, like I said, it was, it was, I have no problem with that winning from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Looks like it runs unopposed, and I'm really excited to uh, to try to catch it before the ceremony. But hey, it's on demand for you. It aired on A and E, so there you go. Yeah, it's free on A and E. I think you have to put it in your cable provider, but if you've got one, or you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> All right, then. So, learning to skateboard in a war zone as a girl wins. Uh, next category we have is animated short. Last year we awarded uh, Bow the carnivorous dumpling movie <laughs> not that the dumpling was carnivorous but uh, anyway this year's nominees did are bow win <laughs> bow did win as well so. two for three <laughs> uh nominees were hair love uh kit bull sister memorable and uh daughter daughter yeah a lot, uh, a lot of sisters going on yeah. i didn't catch sister chris what's your rundown on that Sister is about um, a. It's told from the perspective of a young boy in China uh, during the era of the uh, one child policy. And it's all about him growing up with his sister, who it turns out that he uh, is imagining uh, being there because the, his parents were uh, pregnant with a girl and they were forced by the government to have an abortion. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of about like. It's. He, the story gets told all through his, um, like, like here's the things that my sister did that annoyed me, and like these are the things that like I love about my sister, or whatever. And then it gets to like the truth telling point, and then it goes back all the way through it again, showing what like actually happened with him. Um, so it's kind of like a like a daydream, hope for a better future about this kid who wanted a, a baby sister when he was growing up, hmm. uh, despite how irritating kids think other kids are. Um, it's sweet, not my favorite this year. Yeah, I think we kind of both feel the same. I kind of have a tie for third with Kit Bull and Daughter. Yeah. Um, Kit Bull is just so formulaic. Yeah. And I feel like with a short film, there's no like risk taken at all. It's a junkyard cat who befriends a pit bull that somebody's bought pretty much as a fighter. Um, and the pit bull is not a fighter. 
So it's also got like dog violence in a short film, which I'm like, come on. <laughs> I don't like this. Uh, yeah, I don't want to see that. From Pixar. <laughs> uh, yeah, from Pixar. Uh, but it's in the, it's in their it's in their uh, their program now where they're going to release. I think it's like six uh, short films a year. I think it's their Sparks program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Spark program. Um, I mean, it's cute and it's sweet and it you know the cat helps the dog escape and they get adopted and it's sweet. But yeah. like, just nothing crazy there. Yeah. You know, you want that like Lou where it's like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just didn't feel like there was any, it felt like a Saturday morning cartoon. Right. The animation is kind of cool. It's really like, uh, it feels like, uh, construction paper on like stop motion, like old school South Park stuff, but like really well animated mm-hmm. with a like digital background. I don't know what the medium is, but animation is really neat for it, but I don't know. And I think we have, uh, the same top two. I think we had the order flipped, but, uh, I think you liked hair love for it. Yeah. A ton. It is great. Yeah. Um, and yours, I guess I know yours, but so daughter, since we both have it kind of in the bottom of the pack, um, it's probably the coolest, anim- the second coolest animation. For yeah. Um, it's like paper mache, mm-hmm. uh, like live action paper mache, almost stop motion. Definitely. I didn't really know the plot in the daughter after watching it. No, I'm reading it and I don't remember it. And I don't think that's my fault. No, <laughs> um, there's, I mean, she's got a relationship with her dad. That's like strained. Right. That much is clear. Yeah. I don't know what happens in the end. Yeah. I don't know what I'm supposed to think happens at the end. Yeah. It's about a, an estranged daughter and father reconnecting. And so it's kind of told... And like in, on his deathbed. Yeah. So it's just kind of like told visually, you know, well, the memories that, of the two of them. If that one doesn't win, uh, they can take solace in having already won an Oscar. They won uh, the Student Academy Award for this film because they're students at the like uh, TV and Film Institute of Prague. Oh, cool! Good for them. And like I said, the animation was amazing. Oh yeah! If uh, if this if this award is about technical animation, which it's not, we know that, and we know the best <laughs> animated feature isn't technical animation, right? Because um, otherwise, we'd have another tick mark for being right for the Oscars <laughs> from a couple years ago. Also, Sister is also a student film too. It's cool. interesting that there are two student films nominated. Good, good for the Academy. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, bearing the lead, our two favorites are memorable and hair love. You know, right now, Hair Love, real quick. Yeah, Hair Love is about a. I feel weird spoiling a seven minute short, but it's important to why I want it to win and why I'm voting for it. Um, but it's about a young woman who, or a young girl who's doing her hair. She's a black girl, so she's got like, you know, pretty infamously difficult to deal with hair. She's watching these YouTube videos of this like uh, fashion, like hairstyling vlogger. Um, and she just like keeps fucking it up. The dad sees her and is like, okay, well I'll watch the video and I can help you do your hair. And he like kind of like messes it up and like kind of fucks it up, but then like gets at the end and then it's revealed what they're doing that for is that the vlogger was her mom and she's been going through chemo and has lost all her hair. Mm. So it's just really sweet. It's super sweet. And I think narrative by Issa Rae too. Knowing the ending is super important to why that film's not going to get backlash because there's a lot of that, like, you know, black fathers being like, we, we don't want credit when we do our daughter's hair. We're just a dad. That's right. what parents do. Um, and I think it is interesting that it goes through all that at a time when there is backlash for that kind of attitude. And at the end, realizing that the mom, like, did hair. Right. That's why the dad didn't do hair. Because yeah. the mom was, like, a professional hairstylist. Yeah. Uh, or is a professional hairstylist. I like the story of this movie too. It was a kickstarted movie, so crowdfunded movie that 
they did a shorter, short version, I think, and then got uh, Academy Award for it. Academy Award nomination, at least. It's it's one A and one B for me, really, with these two. Me too. Uh, yeah, I've hair love second, but not by much at all. Memorable is another. Um, the animation is incredible. Yeah. Uh, the final scene, the animation. I don't know how the fuck they did that. Me neither. I was trying to tell you about it, and I don't understand it. Um, but it's a guy essentially entering dementia. Yeah, he's, a, he's a, an, an aging painter. Um, and I mean, you see the wife realize it in the first three minutes of the film, and it's just heartbreaking. Um, like I think you realize it when he asks for a piece of fruit, she throws him a banana, and he just tries to eat it without mm-hmm. feeling it. Um, and the next ten minutes are just—I mean, fantastic, heartbreaking movie. Yeah, but the animation that, that he called out that I really love is uh, his wife is like trying to like help him. And he, uh, not recognize her, like, starts flirting with her and being like, well, I am married, but do you like dancing? <laughs> and, like, they dance, and he's like, can I paint you as a portrait? And so the, the cool animation is they have, so she is only visible uh, in the brush strokes that he's made. So she is dancing as an incomplete painting. Hmm. Uh, and this movie is, uh, like, claymation, uh, clay stop-motion animation. So it's really interesting to think about how they... They've got shit floating. Yeah. It's like part of the claymation was blue screened. Yeah. Or green screened is what it looks like. Hmm. Uh, super interesting. Yeah. So they digitally removed stuff and like replaced it. And there's obviously like multiple shots going into it. And it's just really cool. So I'm, I I ain't mad if it gets the pick. But TJ and I have set forth our cases for these movies. And now you guys have to <laughs> pick. The Oscars do have ties. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's happened before. I'm I'm fine with Hair Love too. Uh, really am. It was a a lighthearted, super cute, heartfelt movie, which is a rare combo for a short. I feel like, yeah, not like gut wrenching, but still a happy ending. Yeah, and I feel like like I mean, they wheel her out of the hospital at the end. Right. You know what I mean? She's not dying, right. <laughs> which is nice. <laughs> Although I do, I do feel like memorable is that rare uh, short. Uh, recipe where you have something that is a sad subject but is done really like upliftingly like that's what I got out of it yeah is it felt like a a really uplifting charming message about like dementia and old age like it could have been dour right and in a year where so many movies that are nominated are about like aging and dealing with it uh, I'd be fine with memorable also not that we have to do this with every award but I know that memorable is Kelly's pick if we want to break the tie that way I like that Sure. I like a movie that deals with something difficult in a fun way, like Requiem for a Dream. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. He just had too many arms. (laughs) I'm on board. (laughs) All right, so best animated short goes to Memorable. All right, now we're going to get into full-length movies. Uh, This is the... We're going to be doing the International Film Award. Uh, First time it's going to be named this. Um, Last year... We would uh, we went unanimous for Roma, and Roma ended up winning. Another one in our column. We got right. Um, this year's... <laughs> we thought that was going to be the easiest choice. Yeah. <laughs> this year's nominees are Corpus Christi from Poland, uh, Honeyland from Macedonia, uh, Les Miserables from France, Pain and Glory from Spain, and Parasite from South Korea. Corpus Christi, not available yep. uh, yet. It'll be out. In time for you to watch it before the ceremony if you're doing your own death race, but none of us saw it. Right. This right. is this is my only other hole. I've seen everything else. Um, so, And I have not seen Pain and Glory, which all three of y'all had. 
So I'm interested to see where y'all have it in your in your ranking of the four nominees we've seen. Really, it's ranking three. Because I'm not even counting Corpus Christi, but... Uh, I, Parasite's <laughs> number one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I guess that's the easiest question. Is did Pan Glory beat Parasite for anybody? Nope. Nope. No. Okay. So, Parasite's number one. We've got that decided. <laughs> if you listen to our top ten podcast, that should not surprise you. Yeah. <laughs> and I've only seen Pain and Glory beyond that, so it is my second choice. Okay. For I've, I've also seen Honeyland, which is very, very good. We talked about it on, I think, last week's podcast. I saw you agree with my, like, narrative... Almost of the, it almost felt like a fiction movie. Yeah, it feels like a kind of an art film at a certain point, or a verite slice of life thing. Yeah, and uh, you know, it is actual verite. It actually happened, but it, it, yeah, you just you kind of lose the documentary framework after a while. They they feel like characters so much. I've got it number two ahead of Les Mis for me. Um, where you have where your rankings lay there, Chris? Uh, yeah, I'm probably. Uh, Parasite, and then again, this is like 2A, 2B with uh, Pain and Glory and Honeyland. I don't know which is edging out the other. Yeah. They're two completely different movies, which sure. is expected in Best International. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Les Mis is kind of a distant fourth. Les Mis is a fun movie. It was, it was in, in a way intense. that a movie about gang violence can be fun. It was mm-hmm. done well. It was entertaining. It was very intense. Yeah. I don't want to shit on it at all. Yeah, and apparently that's what we'll get when we see Corpus Christi. Um, it's, it's really intense uh, yeah. drama. Uh, but The Honeyland just felt so novel. Um, and Pain and Glory we'll talk about later with Banderas because that's basically the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Banderas' performance. The documentary getting nominated there is super neat too. Yeah. For me, sorry. For me, I have Pain and Glory just ahead of Honeyland. Um, it's the Banderas of it all and the Almodovar of it all. Yeah, you know he's he's still revered. Yeah, it's it's a real vital film for someone in his seventies, and you know very autobiographical. He's he's gone through a lot of health problems that made him almost unable to do art. Um, and he's made some amazing films. He's still really like he can still do some really striking scenes and some great. Almost naturalistic uh, acting there. Yeah. And Banderas is, you know, the best he's ever been. Awesome. Yeah. You know what? It, it, I've read and, and I did look and Good this, for is, you. this is number one. It's uh, Parasite is the first South Korean movie ever nominated in this category. Yeah. yeah. David said that just a while ago. Oh, okay. I was. <laughs> You're reading about Super Bowl was, commercials around that time. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good joke. Worth it. Um, yeah, so that is just like. Shameful for the Oscars to have never nominated a right. South Korean movie. Before. Not only just like uh, you know Bong Joon Ho, but Park Chan Wook. I mean, there's a ton yeah. of vital, um, yeah, vital Korean filmmaking that has never been recognized before. So having said that, shameful might be strong words only because they get 90 nominees every year. Like, right. it's not crazy for me to think that. Yeah, and European really dominates it. So, like, if Spain and France have a movie, or, sure. you know, Germany has a good one, it's almost taking a slot every year. Right. Also, I watched a documentary short this year about how the South Korean government just let people drown for no reason. Yeah. So, if they choose bad movies, that might make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be the Korean submissions, Yeah. Sure, but here... That happened this year a little bit with France, didn't it? A little bit. Yeah, everyone yeah. is saying that, uh, that Les Miserables was, like, the... Worst choice over um, Portrait the, of a Woman on Fire. Yes, that, did that win the French Oscar too, whatever it's called. Les Misérables did. No, it did. I think the, it won the César, which they they put as their Academy Award thing. I thought that happened after those awards happened after the nominations. Though. Oh, they might have. 
don't know. Yeah. But Portrait of a Girl was like one of the, uh, it may yeah. have wound up the most critically like lauded film of the year, oh, maybe alongside Parasite. Right. Yeah. But yeah, people people were stunned that Les Miserables got submitted instead. Yeah. But and for number one, I imagine we're gonna sing its praises in other elements. Parasite. Parasite. Yep. Parasite. All right. Uh, going on to documentary feature. Um, last night we were unanimous for Minding the Gap, and uh, we ended up with Free Solo yeah. uh, winning the actual award. So we, we missed on that one. Um, but the nominees this year are uh, The Edge of Democracy, The Cave, Forsama, Honeyland, and American Factory. I have not seen Forsama or The Cave. I... <laughs> You could watch them end to end, and you would think they were the same movie. Okay. Uh, I'm so happy that Honeyland is in this list, because having to pick a, quote, winner out of American Factory about Americans losing their jobs and the Chinese government, uh, Chinese company coming in, mm-hmm. uh, The Cave, which is about an underground cave in Syria where they're trying to be a hospital because Russian planes are, and the regime are bombing hospitals intentionally. Also, women. Yeah. Issues there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Edge of Democracy, which is about the crazy political situation in oh my God. Uh, Brazil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Forsama, which is about a journalist who is raising a child in Syria during the uh, quote unquote rebellion. Uh, and then Honeyland felt like an, an exhale moment. <laughs> it was like completely, from a completely different like time space plane. Uh, where it was just this really quiet, contemplative documentary about this aspect, an area of the world that I know nothing about. Don't even think about it. No. It definitely enters my brain, that whole, like, peninsula. It's just like, what's north of Greece? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is it, a bunch of shit. Is it more Greece? All I know is Alexander the Great was born there, <laughs> in Macedonia, and that's the end of my knowledge. Yeah. I, uh... I love Honeyland. It's it's my number one pick here. I think you saw Honeyland. Is it the only nominee you it's saw? It's the only one I saw, um, but, you know, it was great. Did you catch anything? Mm-mm. Nothing from the docs from Breezy? Yeah, my, um, my choice is Honeyland also. Um, don't, I mean, Forsama and The Cave are both beautiful. I mean, Ferris Fayad uh, is the filmmaker for The Cave, and he uh, directed uh, The White Helmets, I believe. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Oscar winner from yeah. a couple years ago. Uh, and so this is about, uh, so the cave is basically about, he returns to uh, the town that he's from after being out in the world making films for so long. White Helmets was Aleppo, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and this is in like uh, like an area outside of Damascus. Um, and so it's, it's him coming home after not being home for a long time and finding kind of the state of his town. Um, he, he doesn't appear in the film, but... Didn't he do, am I wrong in remembering, did he do a White Helmet short and then a White Helmet's... Feature length that got nominated after that. Yeah. Uh, well, there were two. not one was called White Helmets and one was about the White Helmets called something. But I think else. that was the same year, and there were just was there multiple right? Syrian Aleppo documentaries. I think one like was I know the, the short one. The I only reason why I, I know that that's not true is because he only had one. Uh, Maybe he's developing Oscar. It. I thought George Clooney was going to help him like produce a feature length. Maybe. So he he did Last Man. Last Men in Aleppo and the Cave. Uh, Last Men in Aleppo is the one about White Helmets. So yeah. Right? And yes. there was one called The White Helmets. Right. right. So it's not The White Helmets. He did Last Man in Aleppo. He didn't do The White Helmets short. 
I don't think so. So we just it's had two. We just had two Oscar years with white helmet documentaries. That's one right. short, yeah. one feature length. And this is the third, basically. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they're both good. I just yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just trying to re- remember the chronologicalness. Yeah. Not a word. Of that well, in my head. Maybe Clooney can get the ball rolling and we can have a fourth year of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I have a little bit of disaster fatigue with movies about Syria. Like, I get that it's awful there. I don't know what I can do um, other than like, keep voting for the right people. Nothing, man. There's that quote in the beginning of the um, How to Learn to Skateboard yeah. short doc where it's just like, we've been at war for decades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some movie, other uh, not an uh, Oscar nominee this year, that has the quote, like, why do they fight over there all the time? And it's like, it's because it's hot and it's sandy. <laughs> and it's it, gets like, it, it gets everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, that part of the world sucks. Yeah. I hate it. I really do. <laughs> Don't know how to help. Uh, and neither does our government either. Yeah. yeah. Or any government. Yeah. <laughs> but I've got Honeyland 1. I've got American Fighter a short uh, distance behind it though in my number my number two slot. Yeah. I really enjoyed Edge of Democracy. It is a wild landscape that I, I just like did I, not know anything about Brazilian politics. No. So it was super interesting. Yeah. It is a really cool if you if I think this is an appeal to Brent, uh, it is a really cool kind of political drama about like a very charismatic like people's party uh, member uh, basically getting railroaded by the conservative party and maybe also deserving it a little bit. Like no one has clean hands in the government in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of insane to see these two, like basically entirely corrupt parties kind of go after each other. There's one point where the president of Brazil is being deposed by the Congress. And she points out, she's like, I really am ashamed to be here being questioned by this Congress when half of you are being charged for criminal conspiracy and you're going to vote today whether I uh, am also guilty of criminal conspiracy. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Uh, so that's, it, it's, it's really neat. Um, but yeah, my, my ranking's pretty similar. Um, but I've got uh, Forsama above American, fact, uh, American Factory, yeah. Honeyland, Forsama, American Factory, Edge of Democracy of the Cave. In that order. Yep. So, Honeyland takes it. Honeyland takes it. Good luck, Honeyland. Alright, next we're going to do Animated Feature. Last year we awarded Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which uh, is a welcome win there. It, it won the Academy Award as well. So we're back on track with our predictions. Um, this year the Animated Feature nominees are How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, uh, Klaus... Claws. Um, I Lost My Body, Missing Link, and Toy Story Quattro. What's your winner, Brett? Here. Well, it's... I, I feel a little bad voting because I, I was... I would have liked to have seen uh, I Lost My Body because I think I would really like that movie and I just didn't get around to it. But because I didn't, it's a fairly easy choice for me. I'm going with Toy Story 4 over Claws. Sure. So, I I wish that I that I would have like wisened up and watched Klaus around Christmas time. I think I would have liked it better. I didn't dislike it, mm-hmm. but it's a really really great animation in it. Yep. Um, yeah. But I wish that I could have captured the moment of the season and seen it then. It really would have helped. 
Yeah, it won the uh, Annie Award, being like Toy Story and stuff. Yeah, crazy. Um, but yeah, my my pick. Seeing having seen all of these, um, even picking against uh, Talkie Talk favorite studio Leica's Missing Link. Uh, Talkie Talk favorite is the studio, not that movie necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'm picking Toy Story Four also. Sure. Well, I'm going to. I've seen most of these. I saw the Leica. I saw the the Pixar one. I'm going to go with the I Lost My Body. Um, really cool movie. In this category, it's it's. Uh, I think. It shows me stuff I don't think I've seen before, and in the fourth iteration of a beloved story, and you know Toy Story four, it's very affecting, but it does feel like a con, uh, kind of continuity of things that they've done before and themes they've explored. I lost my body. I uh, I thought it was wholly original, and I just really uh, really liked how how tactile they made all those experiences. So I'm gonna go with that one. Uh, I've seen all five too. Uh... Nobody's mentioned How to Train Your Dragon yet, and that is telling. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that, that one feels kind of tossed in at number five. Yeah. It's like a, DreamWorks keeps making animated movies. We need to do something about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, like, stop them? <laughs> it's like, no, we can't do that. Uh, I've got Toy Story 4 uh, in my number one spot as well. Um, I've actually got Klaus second. I thought the story was super cute and the animation was great. I've got Lost My Body third. Uh, those top three are, are, are far above Missing Link at fourth, mm-hmm. though, which was sad because the yeah. studio has made nothing but gems so far. And this one was good, it was and it a, started off great, and then was, I just kind of got bored with it. It was a little too Zach Galifianakis, really. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Um, it's almost you know, too funny. It's beautiful to look at, but there's nothing really below the surface. Yeah. Cassandra made a good point. She was like, I was so excited during the Loch Ness Monster scene. Mm-hmm. She was like, this movie's going to be great. And yeah. then 30 minutes in, she was like, I wanted to go to sleep. Yeah. Just, board I, I think this is a really interesting move for them uh i think most of their movies have a very uh like dark uh bend to them uh between you know kubo Corlon, uh, Corlon, horror movie and then whichever one they did out of frankenweenie and paranorman i always forget even box trolls they're like orphans and stuff yeah it's, it's zany but this one wasn't dark there's no dark to no this like is this is like and everything's out in the sunshine the whole time and i just you know it's, it's gorgeous and I think it's incredible for them to do so much animation with water, knowing their process and how like time-consuming and crazy that must be for them mm-hmm. to do so much water, like snowfall, rain, like all this shit must really like be so time-consuming. But the yeah. story is just not there for me. The, uh, you know, talking about a uh, animated movie to be, I'm about to call it preposterous, but the Catman do stuff was kind of preposterous and a little tough to take after. Yeah, you know. a little much. Um, I will say about I Lost My Body, I thought everything with the hand was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. I loved every second of it and could have gotten more of it. Besides the intercom interaction between the two of them, mm-hmm. I was a little bored with the guy. I was pretty much, I felt I found myself just like, when's he going to chop his hand off? <laughs> and I don't, I want to make sure I'm not watching this animated movie when he cuts his hand off. <laughs> and then he started doing the thing at the, at the end and I was like, why the fuck is he wearing a watch? That's like rule number one. <laughs> don't wear any jewelry. Using a table saw. I wonder if this movie is resented by the guy who made an entire career out of doing hand stuff on t- on uh, on uh, movies. He did the he did thing for the Adams family. Yeah. he was the hand from Idle Hands. Uh, you should look this guy up sometimes. His name's like Handley Hand. His, his, his uh, all his career credits are just hand guy or hand the you know sp- spooky hand or something like that. Spooky. 
Is that right. like David Duchovny's character in Zoolander? <laughs> <clears throat> uh, all right, so Toy Story 4, Pixar, keep doing it. We'll keep doing it. <laughs> you guys win. All right, now we're going to get into uh, some technical categories. We're going to be doing visual effects. Um, last year we awarded, we kind of had a two-way tie between First Man and Avengers Infinity War, and we ended up awarding Infinity War, which lost to First Man for the actual Oscar. Um, this year for visual effects we have uh, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, The Lion King, The Irishman, 1917, and Avengers Endgame. I just this is this is not any my vote, but I think that it is insane. I know that the Globes and the Oscars are different uh, things, but that Lion King gets nominated for Best Visual Effects Oscar and also Best Animated Feature for the Globes. It's like it's clear that some people don't know what's going on in that movie. <laughs> We've reached the point where there's where that line is gone yeah. between yeah. like visual effects and animations. All, yeah. They're all computers now. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Are you a computer? <laughs> Someone else can lead this. We've got a lot of uh, big names here. This is a tough one for me. There wasn't any, anyone that really dunked it for me, so I kind of had to go from the bottom up. Uh, only thing, I hadn't seen Rise of Skywalker, mm. so you guys tell me if that blows it out of the water from previous iterations. It's a Star Wars movie. Yeah. 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 The um, I guess the 1917 is the thing where I guess it's hard to tell what the visual effects are versus like Roger Deakins being a groundbreaking genius and Sam Mendes doing really well. Yeah. I looked it up. It's basically explosions, <laughs> which were good. Yeah. I, I So I have it at the bottom of the list. <laughs> Kind of for that reason. Yeah. That's kind of what I figured. Um, Irishman, it's got a lot. And man, if you look at the internet right now, there's they keep wanting to show you articles of this is how it happened. And then but, to, to follow up on that, though, I read a great article on Vulture, I think is where I read it, where it was like, why are we freaking out about this? It's been done many times before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's and just it's, like, it's Scorsese and De Niro and not like... They were like, this is the same shit that they did for Chris Evans in Captain America. <laughs> it's like, I don't understand why everybody's losing their mind. Yeah. It wasn't that cool then, it's not that cool now. Yeah, I don't know if I have an unreasonable expectation, but it is extremely apparent that it's happening, and you just kind of got to, um, to roll with it. You, kind of, you just have to like uh, get used to it, and it kind of fades away, but it's... You know, it'd probably be my, my third rank there. And then for me, it's between Lion King and Avengers... Um, both, you know, I'm not really thrilled with this category this year. Both of these, we've kind of seen versions of this before. Um, like Lion King, Jungle Book, we, we've saw this win an Oscar before. In a movie, I think we'd probably all agree is a little better. Yeah. And kind of grounds how impressive it is more with, uh, live action Mowgli, you know, in comparison with the, uh, computer generated animals in Jungle Book. Mm -hmm. Um, everything's kind of a little, uh, uprooted for me in Lion King. I, I kind of agree, you know, I... I guess the African terrain is probably real, and then they did uh, <laughs> everything else is a visual effect. Yeah, yeah, but why even shoot in the African terrain? <laughs> you know? Yeah, just make it all digital. Yeah, it kind of seems a little pointless to me. Yeah, and I guess in the end, my vote's going to Endgame uh, by default. Yeah, just, I just don't know else why. It's really good. <laughs> um, it's this an impressive movie? They put together a lot of stuff, a lot of characters in it, and I guess it just gets it for me. <laughs> it's a Marvel movie. I'm also voting for Endgame, so mm -hmm. I'll hop in real quick. I do think the effects in the, I mean, obviously they're great, but in the, the big fight scene, especially mm -hmm. when the portals start opening up and everybody starts flying in and you've got, like, worlds 
in the whole outside of the world you're seeing, mm -hmm. behind that whole landscape of like destruction that the fight is taking place in. Uh, I mean, probably my favorite Marvel scene is the the fight between Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor fighting Thanos was just done so well. Um, I will say it's it's the most coherent the fight and action scenes I feel like have been in the series. Yeah, I agree. Um, like I said, mainly for that scene alone, the uh, the portals opening and Doctor Strange coming through with everybody else. That's why I have it at number one. But my rankings were pretty similar to you, David. I actually have Star Wars. Uh, I have Lion King last. Star Wars right above that. It was a little too dark for me uh, for a movie where I'm supposed to award what it looks like visually. <laughs> uh, 1917 and then Irishman and then Avengers yeah so uh, my rankings were like basically just contempt for three of them and uh, <laughs> um, yeah. so I was just like well fuck this movie this is a cartoon uh, so I went fuck this movie this movie is dark and sucks and then uh, also 1917 yeah. yeah so I just don't know what they did there right it was left with Endgame and Irishman so it's basically just like Okay, a Marvel movie where they're doing the same things that every Marvel movie does, or just a movie that's doing facial, you know, de-aging that's been done before. So, I'm picking The Irishman only because I wasn't bothered at all by the by that, and I sometimes am. Okay. And that's kind of, it's a very simple criteria, but this is a weak-ass category this year yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't get to see the sizzle that gets exhibited to the guild for the nominations. Um, so maybe there is not a lot from a lot of other movies. Um, I don't know what I would put in one of these categories, uh, what movie I would replace. Because if you gave me the ability to replace one and I wanted to, I would choose it as a winner this year. Um, just because I don't really care right. about any of these winning visual effects. Right. Um, and I'm not going to create a tie with the Irishman. Um I might be the podcast's uh, uh, lowest or harshest critic of the Irishman, um, and the the facial stuff is just like whatever. Um, <laughs> the Avengers, the the Marvel team has never won for visual effects, and I feel like this could it's be true. a nice cap for them. It's crazy. Uh, oh, they've yeah. been nominated like a fucking dozen times, um, all the way back to Iron Man. I don't think I think they missed two years total since the MCU's been a thing. So. It would be cool to see them finally get a nod for the thing that they do best. Actually, yeah. Disney, in general, hasn't had it since The Phantom Menace. None of the Star Wars movies since the uh, relaunch, and none of the Marvel movies have ever won visual effects. Yeah. And Marty's guys already got one for um, uh, Hugo, so... There you go. It's a mostly different team, but there's, there's some, some repeats there. Um, but 2008, they did give uh, it to Curious Case of Benjamin Button over The Dark Knight and Iron Man, which all they did in Curious Case of Benjamin Button was make him look like an old baby. <laughs> they did aging and de-aging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. It is what it is. Cool. Alright, so an apathetic win for Avengers <laughs> yeah. Endgame then? Yeah. Congrats-ish, I guess. Uh, now we're going to go into the most vexing categories. I really hope that's how they give them the award <laughs> next Sunday. So congratulations, I guess. They're just like, and this 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 visual bit's going to play on audio. They're just like handing the award. They're like, here you go. <laughs> just drop really? it right in front of them. I hope Disney just sends that one guy up, the guy who hates Oscars. Remember that guy? He's just like, hey, it gets kind of old winning these things God. all the time. That guy, I had to feel so bad. <laughs> After that, yeah. But he was just like, what I said. 
It's so stupid. I hope they give it to the Avengers people with a potato gun. Just from the... <laughs> shoot it. That's how it should start delivering all Oscars. It's via potato gun. Watch out, Renee Zellweger. Um, Alright, next category we got... We're going to start with sound mixing. And uh, we always do our best to define what this is. I give I gave up a long time ago. It's easy it's to easy. define. Yeah, it's yeah, just, it's just easy, uh, hard to judge. And it's, yes. it doesn't make sense with the actual win. So sound mixing is like the balance of all audio elements, and sound, sound. editing is going to be the creation of sound effects, creation, emotions. removal, yeah. post post production sound. Yeah. So uh, last year we gave it to uh, First Man. Uh, we awarded it, and it went to Bohemian Rhapsody. Boo. Oh, that's Which right. one are we doing? That's where that... R- Sound mixing first. Okay. That's where that ceremony started going off the rails for me last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was from the first intro song from them singing We Are The Champions. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> that was where it started for me. I am not timestamping either of these words differently. In my mind, this is still one category with ten nominees. And what? one movie wins two awards or they split it with somebody. Well, it sound good. Well, that last you know, part is definitely true. I, I, I always would like... Two could win I always would like more awards, but there is a like vote out there, or there's a contingent to combine these back into best sound. They used to just be best sound. Yeah. I would almost say if you don't understand them, Academy, like don't vote for them separately. Then didn't, right. Didn't they split? Kind of... Didn't they split because of Star Wars? Is that is the, that right? I think it was the first year they did. They, they've okay. they've come apart in together a couple times yeah. over the years. They came back like the late eighties. There was one award. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know. <laughs> Alright, so for sound mixing For your seven nominees for sound are <laughs> the for mixing it is Ad Astra, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Ford v. Ferrari in nineteen seventeen. So Brent, do you wanna start up a category this time? Sure. Um the the one I, I think last for me is Joker in this because I just had trouble remembering that aspect of this movie. Um Got it last two. You, you just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it's brilliant. Um, next to last, I've got nineteen seventeen for mixing. Um, so, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is kind of it, it. Probably won't get a lot of steam in this category, but it's it's kind of underrated. I think for like, there's a lot going on in that movie between like Tarantino, you know, having the radio on all the time and stuff, and and all the. Um, the sounds of Hollywood in the 60s. But I've got Ford versus Ferrari at number one with Ad Astra and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood kind of just sharing the second and third spots for me. Um, but Ford versus Ferrari is a... It's a racing movie, and it's a... You know, you gotta have... You gotta listen to the people and the the, the crews and whatnot and the cars, and uh, it sounds cool. It's a cool-sounding movie. I've got it at number one as well. <laughs> I agree with you guys. <laughs> I, I was looking at which movie I was going to pick from both, and I'm like, eh, Ford vs. Ferrari, it sounded really good. Yeah, I've got an Astro at number two. I've got 1917 above Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I think without the sound, 1917 becomes even a worse movie. Um, I thought it was one of its highlights, but not good enough. Really like Ford vs. Ferrari. I agree. The uh, the sounds and the use of like the Doppler stuff they did in Ford vs. Ferrari was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also have Ford v. Ferrari. Ooh, that means it's not going to win. <laughs> we are so bad at these two Ooh, categories. It's census. <laughs> yeah, cars sound good. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't have cargo room. Sounded cool. Sound editing. 
sound editing. Last year, we also awarded First Man and Bohemian Rhapsody, Rhapsody 1. <laughs> the nice twofer. This year, we got uh, Joker again, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Kind of replaces Ad Astra from the same field. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 4B Ferrari, 1917. Right. I'll go first. I pick Ford vs. Ferrari. It's no surprise there for me. I did too. If you like the sounds and how they were mixed, that uh, movie, the racing sounds were 100% created in post-production. So, yeah. <laughs> if you like how they were mixed, they were also created. Yeah. I also gave it to Ford v. Ferrari. <laughs> Cars sound good. New sounds sound good. Yeah. Uh, I went 1917 here. Oh! <laughs> Let's flip my votes. You were like, the sounds are good, but they're too loud or too soft. <laughs> oh, well... I read a little bit, and I, I thought it's, it's well, it was That's talking about how, uh, um, <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I guess I uh, just had the wrong idea about Ford versus Ferrari in terms of editing, because it, it, I was reading that it uh, that they um, put a ton of microphones on the cars as they drove them, and so for me, I factored that more into the mix. Oh, yeah, so they put the, that's where they got the sound from. Okay. But everything was... Fixed and altered in post. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, that is It's like, how do you yeah. judge that? Where, right. Which category do you throw that into? <laughs> hence, hence, this should just be best sound. That's why you're splitting your vote, and I totally get that strategy. Yep. <laughs> so, 1917. You know, with editing, it's just like, well, when you don't know how to find the edit, the sound editing in movies, just go with go with bullets whizzing and things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'll just go with that. Except for the year where you guys were dead set on that's what the Academy does, and then you were flipped. Flipped, yeah. yeah. Law of Land and Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. I maintain that we know more about these uh, how these categories are defined than 98% of voters. It's like the guild at the top of knowledge, the two guilds, and then, or it's just one, right? No, there's two different uh, two, two different guilds. They're at the top of knowledge base for this. And then, like, way below them is us. And then, like, a little bit below us is, like, most Academy voters. Yeah, I mean, Nicolas Cage, do you think when he votes, he's, he's doing anything but just... He's just mad he's not in all the movies. This sounded cool! <laughs> Why am I not in this? <laughs> Actually, Cage is crazy, so he probably spends, like, weeks debating each each vote, so... Yeah. True. He's yeah. probably the one. He's, he's, he's like, the only one of us. I think he probably plays all five at the same time. He's like, what catches my attention? <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound! He's, like, he's got one of those wall of teeth, like a wall of a But he watches the blindfold for the sound ones? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, next, uh, just complete change in uh, direction. We got, we're gonna do some musics. Um, if you thought visual effects was bad... Here we go with the original song. Man. Um, well, just to say, last year, uh, kind of a stellar year. Stars Born, uh, we voted for it. That was the luckiest lock of the year to win, and it did win. Yes. Um, this year we have I'm Standing With You from Breakthrough. You, I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away, Toy Story 4. Into the Unknown, Frozen 2. Stand Up from Harriet. And I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man. Bold prediction, they're going to give an Oscar to Elton John and Bernie Taupin. Yeah, I mean, that's who's going to win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For sure. I've got it at number two. I really don't care. There's not much difference between one through five here. <laughs> they all kind of suck. I mean, Elton's pretty good at singing. But other than that. Yeah, I want to hear, does anyone here have a strong opinion on what they want? I but, do, okay. as always, with <laughs> yeah. the song category. So, this is one where I, I went and I found the songs as they appeared in the movies, and I listened to them, and... God, even though I love the movie, the uh, I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away is just such a 
a phoned-in <laughs> lyric to me, the, the, the structure of that song. Mm. It's last for me. And then I've got the two movies about standing. Uh, <laughs> you got the two songs. I prefer Stand Up to I'm Standing With You. Both of them bored me almost instantly uh, upon listening to them. Uh, which, However, you do have two actor-singers who are going to be performing those songs live at the ceremony. Great. I'll go get a snack or something during those, <laughs> those moments. Uh, um, which leads me with uh, Into the Unknown and Love Me Again, and I'm voting for Into the Unknown because even though I, I really... I, I mean, Love Me Again, it's not a great song, but it's a it's a fun little song that recaps the movie. It just sings about what happened in the movie. Um, <laughs> yep. And, uh, Talk about phoned in lyrically. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, well, at least it wasn't just like, I did drugs, I did drugs, I did drugs, I did drugs over <laughs> that, and over again. That kind of is a um, <laughs> But, uh, Into the Unknown, I, as always, I'm, I'm gonna vote for the one that, like, factored into a scene that is also good. So, you know, it's props to it for not just playing over the lyrics, or over the credits. credits. Yeah. So, it's important to the movie, I suppose. David, someone else can go. I officially abstain. I've only seen one of these movies, and I didn't like the song. Uh, yeah, so I was I made a really quiet joke applauding you for finding where the music plays in these. <laughs> I watched all five of these movies. So wait, when does the Elton song play? Over the credits. After I'm Still Standing. But the, but the credits can't start. So the credits don't start during I'm Still Standing. Right. Because there's still okay. a video element. I was going to say, otherwise it's not eligible. Because it yeah. it's just yeah. the remake of the video. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's, it's weird. I was also thinking that because it is the second credits song to play. Because the credits are rolling over a picture-in-picture -picture look of the recreation of the I'm Still Standing music video. I thought it had to be playing before the credits started. But I think because that is still playing in the movie... Could it? I'm, I'm curious about this. Could it play... Could they have like a... Uh, could have been somewhere else. Like a, like a little snippet of it in like a... Like a... Somewhere else in the like film. Like a tease. Whatever they, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure the rule is like the credits can't start... The song has to start before the credits. Because that's... De it wouldn't be fun if it got DQ'd oh, <laughs> at the ceremony. No, but so... I think that because the movie extends into the credits and then this song is yeah, on it, on top of it. I understand it. what you're saying. But I thought the rule didn't have anything to do with that. So um, one of us is wrong. Hmm. Could be very well be me. Or it, or it is just like there's like some little... Right. Um, like a, it's used as a motif at some. Can they do that? Can they use the, like the? I think that's the, what David was hinting at too. Yeah, yeah. the music from it, like it a, slow like, it down and play it on a violin or something. Elements over from some. him, from it could be introduced early, yeah. and then yeah. it's like also the, if we're the ones who figure out that it should be DQ'd, I'm not writing a letter. I want Elton John and Bernie <laughs> Taupin to have an yeah. Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> that feels the best. <laughs> yeah. These. yeah, and that's that's gonna be my pick because I know that the the Academy wants to give it to them. But I also want them to win. Uh, when I heard the story that they'd never won an, an Oscar together. They never won any award they've together. They've never won an award together. It's always Period. either the performance or the writing. Huh. Yeah. Um, I thought that that was... I mean, again, I, I agree. This is a like, really weak Elton year. You does have an Oscar. You had it at number right, two. Right, right, right. Yeah. Two, yeah. I'll tell you it that way then. I've had it at number two as well. I had Fred's at number three. So David's abstaining. My next pick out of the... And y'all seem to care. A lot more than I do, which isn't that much. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's I like we don't care that much. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fuck. That soundtrack from last year played in my house for like still. a good like, 10 months. Yeah, still. <laughs> um, yeah, it sucks that this is our only choice. But whatever. But Elton John or Bernie Toppin, you go. Yep. You go do it. 
<laughs> you, you know where to do. You know, you know where to do. Uh, I'm just saying you know how to do, but that's a real thing. All right, so next one we're doing the closing up music with original score. Uh, last year we awarded Black Panther, and uh, it won. A really kind of exciting win, in my opinion. Yep. Um, and after having to pronounce Ludwig Göransson, we have another challenge at the end of this category. All right, so nominees this year are Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker, John Williams, Marriage Story, that's Randy Newman, uh, 1917, Thomas Newman, that's his cousin, um, Little Women, Alexandre Desplat, mm-hmm. and uh, Joker, Hildur Goodnadotter. Mm-hmm. That's my best Hey, My best throw at it. You, you rolled through it really confidently, so it works for me. Well, I'm glad that the little upstart that is John Williams is finally getting some Oscar recognition. Man, this is my biggest fucking bone to pick this year. I know I have a soapbox every year, but this pisses me off. Like, I, I, I don't... agree this year. That you're able to say, like... I, I mean, how many movies have been disqualified way ahead of time because they're like, well, they used a, a composition that they'd previously used like and the, submitted into the score. There will be blood... Like the DQ'd because like a minute was in a previous uh, I forgot that Johnny Greenwood score yeah and then like if you do that with John Williams it's like yeah pretty much like an hour and forty five minutes was in a previous John Williams yeah. movie I don't really understand but the way that they can say oh well we're not submitting that as the score that's part of the OST is just mm-hmm. like go fuck yourself and your like loophole like if you want to give John Williams an Oscar for music like. He deserves it. He is a great composer. He's composed some of the most iconic film scores ever. Yeah. Like, honor him here, wherever you want, but, like, if you give him this Oscar, I never want to hear about a movie being disqualified for prior composition ever again. Yeah. Also, this score, I feel like it's not even that good. It's, it's It could very well win the Oscar for most score because <laughs> it never shuts up for a minute in that movie. It's just... It is just Star Wars horns blaring at you for two and a half hours. Um, I've got it last. Yeah, I've I'm got it last as well. Uh, which is something because I listened. I went. I went back and tried to listen to the score for 1917, and there's not a whole lot of it. Like it is just sort of a like quiet, minimalist, yeah, uh, minimalist music. There's one kind of theme that's a little that while I was watching it, I was like, "That's that's pretty impressive," but then it it really does get drowned out. Yeah, Kelly thought the same thing. She was like, "This is." You know, that conversation's hard to have when you're watching the movie and she's like, I really am liking the score. Because it's just like, it's kind of the, uh, that like low droning, just like tense feeling that I think it effectively creates, but it's just not very memorable. You know, to be a hypocrite, that is kind of the purpose of score, right? You know, I said to be drowned out, but really you want it to enhance but not be too showy. Yeah. I guess Oscar kind of goes to the most showy though. Uh, I had 1978 number two on my list, mainly because it was one of two movies that I watched this year. Or you three, were, I guess. Score. Where I was like, man, I like the score. That's, like, after the movie was over, this out of that. The other one, one of the other ones wasn't nominated. Uh, Lighthouse. Uh, the yeah. same thing with. I was right. like, this score is really good. Yeah. Um, bad Star Wars last two. Yeah. I mean, Alexander Desplat doing his Alexander Desplat shit. It was like, good. It's good. It's yeah. Good. <laughs> it's not, good music. He's kind of a robot. Not yeah. in a bad way, like creatively, but man, he just, just puts him out. Yeah. They're always good, and they're always like kind of, kind of perfect. But yeah, no real risk ever. And I feel like with yeah. Little Women, I don't know that it really enhances the movie all that much. Other than, but this is actually one of the most pleasant scores. If you were gonna like sit down and just listen to one of these, like off Spotify, yeah, 
It's great. It's yes. hard to tell if there's like you know what's classical, what's the original stuff. That said, like the uh, the dancing scene with uh, Laurie and uh, and Joe outside the dance, yeah, is an original, and I think that's a that's a wonderfully whimsical. Uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite like non emotional scenes in yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I texted David while I was watching it. I was like, I could watch these two dance on a porch for hours. Yeah. <laughs> so delightful. Um, but I've got it at number four. Uh, I've got Joker too. I ended up going with Baird Story, which is the other movie that I noticed the score on as I watched it. Mm. But it's my number one. I'm voting for Joker here, um, just because, and I know it's it's probably a little showier, you know, what we're talking about, it, but it's very, I like how it is sort of linked to Arthur's mental decline in that movie. Yeah. It's kind of necessary to be showy, because from our conversation before, it's essentially just like two and a half hours of living in this man's skin, and besides having like a voiceover, it's a really good, I think it's really good enhancing that experience. Yeah, I've got it at number two. I, I read that Joaquin Phoenix actually like helped shape his performance around the score, which is unusual yeah. chronologically like, for a movie. Anytime there was a uh, like a, a misstep in filming, and and you know Phillips couldn't give the words to the direction that he wanted to give Joaquin Phoenix, he would just play the element of the score that they intended to play over the scene, and then Joaquin Phoenix would be like, "I got it." That's cool. Yeah. Neat. Yeah, Chris, I also your, oh. oh I also have a Joker winning one uh, of the best elements of the movie for me. Yeah, well, I like I liked Hilder Goodna daughter. Mm-hmm. I had it at number two, so super happy with that. Sorry, what was your vote, Chris? Is it Hilder Goodna daughter? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it'd be cool if she won. Yeah, she'd be only the second composer ever. Second female composer. Yeah. There's a composer. It's here. just been John Williams since 1927. <laughs> that's possible. <laughs> but only other person was Rachel Portman, and that's when they split the like uh, dramatic score and, and best woman score. I was going to be best lady music. <laughs> well, they did comedy yeah. comedy musical score after like Disney movies won for three years in a row. They split it so they could do like real score gets its own award. Let's see, like. <laughs> the 30s or 40s be like and now the nominee is for best silly lady music <laughs> isn't it cute they tried <laughs> <laughs> oh we're men <laughs> alright next category we have coming up is uh, production design um, last year we awarded uh, Black Panther and uh, it won another tick in our box <laughs> All right, uh, the nominees this year are uh, Jojo Rabbit, Jojo, Jojo. Uh, The Irishman, Parasite, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Today. Um, going from the bottom to the top, I've got Irishman last on this. Um, I don't really see what they did other than film in a city and make it look a little old. Like, nothing jumped out to me as, like, impressive. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was done well, obviously. I mean, I think most things in most categories every year are done well for their category. You know, Sam's the editing winner last year. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I had JoJo Rabbit ahead of it. Uh, I think the brightness in JoJo was cool for a little bit, but the fact that it stayed the whole movie was something that kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, I think... Probably what he was trying to do was make the attic kind of look like 
total opposite from outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just didn't get it as much. I was like trying to force myself to think that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had nineteen seventeen uh, ahead of it. I think some of its production design, particularly in the town scene, is incredible. But, and, but what's Deacons there and what's design? Well, I mean, I, th- I think the, the use of the town, or I'm not sure if they built it or not, was was cool. But outside of that, yeah, I think a lot of it was film work in a field. Mm. Um, I've got Once Upon a Time at number two, although I think it's probably its, uh, outside of, of acting, probably its strongest suit is its production design. Mm-hmm. I think the ranch was fucking amazing. Um, and uh, But I've got Parasite as number one. I feel like I knew the layout of that house pretty early in that movie. And I think that's super important. Yeah. Uh, to know, like, where the rooms are upstairs when you go up to the kids' rooms and how it's laid out up there. And, like, not be weirded out sometimes like I am in movies when somebody hides in a room. I'm like, well, I didn't know that part was there. But, like, I knew they could get on the other side of her bed. Right. I knew they could, get, they could get, all get under the coffee table. Yeah, it makes, and then it makes the reveal of the basement that much more crazy when you feel like you've been living in this place for, for so long. Like, sometimes, uh, yeah, I totally agree. And I'd also only add that on the, uh, the scene with the, uh, with the rainstorm where they have to, you know, be in the right places at the right time, sometimes in a movie that can feel forced or, like, this is unbelievable. But knowing the structure of that house or anything and them knowing the structure of the house... You know, it's kind of, it's more believable, I guess. It kind of rings truer. Yeah, I think it was, like, super important for them to have, like, an open floor plan in the main living area. Mm-hmm. So you didn't get confused. There was, like, living area, dining area, kitchen, and, like, foyer, but no walls in between. So and, you weren't ever, like, discombobulated. And how that room is facing that, you know, the the sun area with the, the yard. You know yeah. that it, like, all the attention would be there. And then, structurally and then when the climax happens there mm-hmm. it's almost like it's a stage yeah. which is done really well really impressed Parasite's my vote anyone got another another horse in this race? I have pretty much identical ranking to TJ so love Bre- the production design in Parasite Breezy where are your numbers at? Uh, I've got the same bottom two as TJ and I flipped them but I also don't really care I can't really make a strong case for Irishman over Jojo Rabbit but yeah. they're both just not really any contenders in this category for me. I've got 1917 second ahead of Once Upon a Time just because I, that I guess that's where I'm crediting 1917 for its like like explosions. Well, for its it's all it's like trench work and like the yeah. way they had to lay all this shit out ahead of time before they before Deacons you know could go running through it. So um, it's really impressive, but. Uh, Parasite is probably would probably get my vote for the entire decade. It's my favorite yeah. production design. It's one of my favorite production designs of all time. I think it's a masterclass in yeah. production design. But they built. We didn't even talk about the like them running home in the rain, like oh, yeah. and that wide God. that wide yeah. shot of them coming down the stairs, like yeah. Also, and the apartment being just slightly lesser, it's yeah. underground, and they can see what's going on mm. in the street, and the toilet is elevated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, also, you know, you have your. Uh, you're always seeing the they're, they're mirrors of each other, the house and the base and their their apartment mm-hmm. because like the house you always see like the big the big nice window from like the left side of the house. You're never looking at it from that right wall. You're always looking at it from a more spacious side. And then from the uh, apartment, 
they're also it's also focused on a window, a window that just looks out into nothing beautiful. So just mm-hmm. seeing people pissing the street. Yeah, literally your extremes. And you're yeah. watching that from the more cramped side of that, the the right side of the apartment. And mm-hmm. um, also, they built that street that you that you look yeah. out onto. That they that, like, they constructed that like that alley almost that alley. Yeah. yeah. Um, Again, like I said, I'm just overwhelmed by all the production design in this movie. Yeah, I would, I would have loved to see one of these movies knocked out uh, and Lighthouse get a nod here, um, but Parasite still would beat the brakes off that movie. Yeah, in a movie where more than half of the credited uh, crew was carpenters. Yeah, Robert Eggers mm-hmm. built that whole Set. island basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but. Parasite, this, yeah, this production team did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> did they just not nominate uh, him because they want to discourage him from like working his skills yeah, so like, hard? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is twice. He's had Robert Eggers has had pretty amazing production designs. I mean, he did the same thing with Witch. He built like a log cabin. Yeah. They made them saw down the trees. Yeah. There. It's like <laughs> they're just like, yeah, we wish this fucker would cut this out. So let's never not nominate him for anything. <laughs> All right. So production design, Parasite. Um, well deserved. Um, next uh, category I have up is makeup and hairstyling. Mwah. Yeah, the mwah. Uh, and finally, it's up to five after us complaining for a couple years. Yeah, makes <laughs> us. You're five. welcome. <laughs> I just added Maleficent onto the movie list that you guys had to watch this year. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> um, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> I actually, we probably would have had to watch it because it was nominated for makeup and hairstyling back when there was three when the first movie came out. So, all right. So last year we awarded uh, Vice. It was a unanimous award, and Vice ended up winning. Yeah. Um, this yeah. year's nominees are Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, Ooh. 1917, <laughs> Judy, Joker, and Bombshell. Uh, I'll go first. Maleficent, I didn't watch, and I won't. Uh, the I, I've got Judy fourth because I guess I give more credit to to uh, Renee Zellweger and her just like facial contortions in that movie so um, I wasn't blown away by it then Joker then all the dead faces from 1917 but it's a pretty clear easy number one for me is Bombshell because that's some they got some good jowls going on on Roger Ailes <laughs> and they made Charlize Theron have a square face so well done I was impressed and with the hair too I feel like the hair gets left out of this category a lot mm-hmm. um, I thought it was really good in uh, Bombshell, which is also my my easy number one pick here. I have Joker at second. Uh, also, a lot to do with, with hair, and but yeah, Bombshell. It's an easy pick for me. Yeah, I'm also Bombshell, Joker too. Um, Judy is a little impressive because also the you know the hair is pretty good, you know, pretty accurate, and I think they make uh, Renee seem a lot older and more anxious and like lived a hard life. Part of that's makeup, part of that's performance. You know, the real truth somewhere in the middle of those two, but I thought it was pretty good. But Bombshell, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's essentially kind of magic, what they do there. Well, Besides cool. the Roger Earls, I don't know that that's necessarily magic. It's dark magic. Well, I, I love that I get to, uh, to then take this movie, pick this movie and not create a tie in a category that, you know, I'm not great with. But uh, I want to pick 1917 for this, and for one reason, um, when uh, the uh, two Game of Thrones characters... Uh, Lance Corporal uh, Tom Blake, when he is uh, bleeding out, 
I thought that the way that they basically exsanguinate him mm-hmm. was really, really well done. Like, I've never... You don't see, like, a body go pale like that in yeah. movies often. And right. it'd be, like... Normally, it's like, this person died, and then looking at them later, they're pale. This was, like, a live, like, a decoloration of him. Really good point. Yeah, uh, I, I did notice that during that scene. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, he turns sheet white in, like, the matter of, like, minutes. And with the way that I know that they set up that production, like, that just seems like a really difficult uh, task. Uh, with the faked one shot and everything. Yeah, I would have moved it up a couple of spots after that. I know exactly what you're talking about, which is an interesting cut. I just didn't think about it when I was Mm -hmm. Uh, The thing that that hurts it is I don't know what else I would pick for this, um, except, you know, uh, there's, there's, you know, obviously like like war wound makeup, uh, but that's not typically what wins here, right? Um, but it's it's my choice for the for the moires. That, that also like the that like those corpses in the river are sort of striking and how in their like facial bloating and whatnot the makeup yeah. that's on them. So yeah, it's a strong contender here. If that's makeup, I looked to see because I was like it could have been created and I couldn't find anything. Could have been a computer, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, or a dummy, right? Like, anything in between, yeah. yeah. Couldn't All find right. it. Can't count it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great point on 1917, but Bombshell ends up being the winner. Yep. And I wouldn't be mad if it won. Yeah. Same makeup team from Vice, actually, Kazuhiro. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, next, we'll do uh, we'll do costume design. Um, <laughs> You're acting like this wasn't determined ahead of time by well, you. He's I, skipping one. I am yeah, a little out of order. It seems like it's thematically going together okay. a little better. Um, last year, we did Black Panther and Black Panther 1, so good for us. This year's nominees are Joker, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Little Women. I want to go early here and say that I am abstaining. I don't care. All these are, <laughs> all five of these are period movies, and they all did period, period clothing well. That's it. Only way I'm going to vote is I want to know, does Cassandra have a preference? She does. But <laughs> it is mine. <laughs> uh... Uh, when I told her the nominee, she said, Little Women was really good, but it's clearly Jojo Rabbit. Hmm. Um, I think it was a lot of the shoes in Jojo that did it for her, and how the uniforms she noticed got more and more, uh, well, less and less, uh, like, conformed mm-hmm. as the movie went along, as they were losing the war, that there were things missing from the uniforms late that were there early. Uh, and she thinks that was, like, incredible attention to detail and helped move the plot along for somebody like her. And I was like, sold. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, my vote's JoJo here. Uh, I have Little Women second, Once Upon a Time third. Joker fourth and Irishman fifth. I'm so happy that one of us can can rank these. Yeah. <laughs> Has the ability to think about this constructively enough to rank all of them. Yeah. Brent, do you have a preference? I'm going to vote like an actual Academy member votes. And it was going to be like... I like the costumes in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so I'm voting for that. <laughs> they look cool. Well, thank That's God. That's it. Thank, thank God David's piggyback voting on TJ's because <laughs> well, if we I, had a time. I originally had Little Women, but to avoid the chaos, I like the argument for JoJo. <laughs> and I like the movie a lot. It makes a lot of sense. And I like uh, Yorkie's little paper <laughs> costume. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> His yeah. paper soldier outfit. So, I'll switch to avoid a uh, unnecessary tie, because I don't care enough to debate it. <laughs> oh, Bert's going to leave. I'm going to vote like an Academy member. You just hear the door shut. I'm going to vote for Bohemian Rhapsody again. <laughs> All right. 
So, Jojo Rabbit. Good job. Jojo. Um, so next category, it's a... Uh, this one can get inscrutable. A little inscrutable for us. Best editing. Um, last year, we actually awarded uh, Black Klansman for... I can't remember the whole argument, but... Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody mysteriously and uh, tragically ended up winning. <laughs> mysteriously and tragically. <laughs> so nominees this year it are killed editing. <laughs> yeah, JoJo. Yeah, what's the point of this category? <laughs> Let's merge it with uh, cinematography. Um, nominees are JoJo Rabbit, Joker, The Irishman, Parasite, and Ford v Ferrari. I don't jump in here because I don't think my vote's gonna 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 carry any clout with either of y'all. I don't think it's gonna be echoed <laughs> at all. But uh. Well, I love the editing in Parasite and Ford vs. Ferrari. I'm actually picking The Irishman here. Mm -hmm. I've been saying since December when I watched The Irishman, I don't know how that movie's three and a half hours long. I hate that it's three and a half hours long, but it didn't drag. And I feel like it should be awarded here. <laughs> it was probably edited well. Um, I definitely did not go back and rewatch it and have no plans to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they made a three and a half hour movie not really feel like it. So I'm giving it a vote here. That is the specific reason I have it listed in my top two. Cool. Yeah, because it's this—it's an achievement at that point, right? I mean, editing is about how you how you tell your story, and that's really hard to do is to balance the is to keep the pace for three and a half hours. Especially. Whereas, like Bohemian Rhapsody, felt like it was four hours long. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was actually thirty-five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm going Parasite. Uh, just be. I mean. It's just a really, really perfectly crafted movie. So, yeah, shines through in the edit. Yeah, not to complicate things, but uh, I also had Irishman. Oh, nice. That my problems with it were not the length or the pace. It was like the first part of the movie I've seen before from Marty, but it is kind of a marvel that it, I'm not bored, kind of visually with it, and the pace I think keeps up pretty well. And I just, I'm just curious how long that movie was before Thelma Schoonmacher like actually started chopping it up. Years, <laughs> years long. Marty's like, here you go, fuck yourself. <laughs> I, uh, I have Irishman last <laughs> for the very reason that is the opposite of what you guys talked about. I felt like that movie just would not stop. <laughs> it was an unrelenting piece of cinema that I just like yeah I get it it's fucking great but for three and a half hours I just this is like least editing if this wins <laughs> um, but so then when I like rank these I think that I just like Brent was saying like Parasite I just think is like a, a near perfect movie up against The Irishman which is a near perfect movie but my problem with The Irishman is it's one flaw is it just was over long and if that's my one flaw that I think I can, you know, fire across the bow of that movie, no matter who I talk to, I feel like that's got to come down to editing, if nowhere else. Maybe screenplay, but, you know. So, I'm taking Parasite here. I, and I don't feel bad creating a deadlock. I don't I'm think fine with Parasite winning. Yeah. Par <laughs> I think that's had it at number two. No, my number two. Yeah. And if Irish means you're five. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with the Parasite. You kind of... Yeah. Yeah, betrays uh, uh, Brent's Irishman being number two, but I can't, I can't stand how long that movie is. I was in my head, I guess, thinking more of like a, it's not up to the editor the length of the film. Sure. So, I guess they're dealing with what they like, 
you know, it's Martin Scorsese. You can't just be like, I made it two hours. Deal with it, Marty. Right. It's still valid. Like, you know, the thing I think no, it is, over long. is the pace. <laughs> if you're handed that length, you know, right. how are right. you cutting it up to kind of be entertaining? Right. And if it's hit and miss with people, you know, I, I totally get that argument. Yeah. yeah. But Parasite takes it. Parasite. <laughs> All right. Next, we got, uh, I think it's our last category before the big ones. Yep. Um, we'll do cinematography. Um, last year, we actually awarded uh, The Favorite. The Favorite uh, got our win. Great cinematography. And Roma ended up winning the actual award. Also great cinematography. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not mad at that. Nope. So nominees this year are The Lighthouse. That's uh, Jaron Blaschke. Uh, Joker, Lawrence Schur, Irishman, Rodrigo Prieto. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Robert Richardson. And uh, 1917 by The Deke, Roger Deakins. I think this is a great year all around. I, 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 if there are four movies here that if they won, I'd be happy with it. I don't know if you guys feel the same. Um, not quite the same. Uh, I think three for me. Yeah. Um, I'm still just a little underwhelmed by the entire filmmaking process for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and kind of have been all year. Um, but I'm that way with, with Joker 1917 in the Lighthouse for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't have a chance to see Lighthouse, but 1917 and Joker are in my top two. Yeah. Uh, you're the only other one. You haven't seen Lighthouse, right? I haven't seen Lighthouse. Uh, it gets a strong vote for me. Uh, I don't know if it's Chris's number one or not. Or not but, uh, yeah, it was uh, what he did to make you have to pay attention to see if what you're seeing is real, not real, there or not there, was done uh, in a really clever way. Uh, his use of of fog and his use of daylight on this like foggy island. He was bouncing light off of muslin cloths he would hang up behind the camera, which is just I don't I don't understand it. I had to get Cassandra to explain like the science of how that would fucking work to me, um, which he could. Yay! <laughs> but uh, it gives my vote for number one here. Uh, a, a pretty pretty big jump above Deacons at number two for nineteen seventeen. I feel like that is more planning and there are probably only a few cinematographers on earth that could do what he did but I, like i don't know when i heard that he went out into the fields and traced where the ditches were going to be and where the holes were going to be and then like practiced it's like that's cool but you also practiced a lot like i don't know if that's sure. you know what i'm saying i, I, I do but do it's still well, is that not impressive it, it's in, yeah it's impressive it's just like Less creative and more like yeah. just like I think if other cinematographers had Deacon's demands and would say, "I'll do this movie, but you're gonna have to pay for me to be out there months and months and months before we start shooting," that those people wouldn't have jobs, and he gets to do it because he's Roger Deacon's. Is my made up excuse? Anyway, hmm. I'm 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 gonna keep mine brief. I think that the Lighthouse was brilliant, and that's my pick for this. Also, I think that that movie is nothing if not cinematography um there's like a couple wild performances but i mean this is one of those movies that was very intentionally shot in a way that i didn't find that it was like arrogant or like overstuffed for the reasoning but using the uh altered aspect ratio like filming on like cameras that he went and like basically like bought from a museum like it's the kind of stuff that I normally turn my nose up at, but in the lighthouse, it makes perfect fucking sense. Yeah. Um, and all of the, I mean, 
and I'm going to steal from uh, uh, Sean Baker. Um, the there's a scene where uh, Robert Pattinson beats a seagull to death against the the cistern uh, on the island, and it is one of the most beautiful shots, showing one of the least beautiful images uh, that I think I saw all year. Um, big ups to Deacons, not necessarily about that, but I thought the um, the trail through the ruined city with the flares going off was excellently shot and so lit. good. Um, and I think that if Deacons gets it for Talking Talk, I won't, won't be mad um, f- f- for that scene. Not necessarily the fake one um, but otherwise, my vote's for Lighthouse. Yeah, well, I'm 1917. Um, it's, it's kind of a trick that gets you into the movie, the one-shot... I don't feel like I ever forgot it was trying to be a one-shot, but everything that I would say in, you know, this is a category where we're like, what's director, what's cinematographer? Right. You know, knowing kind of Sam Mendes, and, uh, well, he's worked with Deacons a lot, too. I kind of chalk up most of the film's impressiveness to Deacons. Yeah, me too. Um, there's the flare stuff, there's the tracing the, the pass-through basically all the battles and everything going up and down through everything like he kind of planned all that and just going from like handheld to like throw like it's an actual person to hand it off to a steady cam (laughs) to hand it to a crane and then to go back back and forth wild Yeah. yeah it may not be you know it's not probably things that you've never seen before but I don't know, just on an, even a muscular level. Yeah. Like, it's it's sure. incredibly impressive, and yeah. I think he should have, like, tons of awards by now, anyway. Right. So. I, I think that this, this category, for me, is between Lighthouse and 1917, only because you've got art versus execution uh, in, like... It is hard to we, compare. We talk about degree of difficulty, and obviously 1917 is, like, impossible to imagine uh, all of the work that had to go into that and then Lighthouse was just, like, one dude who was just like, I've got an idea. And it's just, like, it's crazy and fits perfectly. Uh, not to belabor this category, but uh, if, uh, this does make me... Because, you know, we're talking about how do you separate the cinematographer from the director sometimes. Yeah. And I wonder if you should. I wonder if we're supposed to. I know Deacons, like, for example, is nominated, but... You know, the award being Best Cinematography rather than Best Cinematographer, then maybe we're not supposed to draw that line any on our end. Maybe we're just supposed to be like, whoever is responsible for this, right? you put the best looking picture forward. Um, and whoever they want to award it to... You know, Whoever's like the boss of that whole team right. gets the honor. They can get the, the Oscar, but it's... Um, because it's tough. I mean, it's and and also like it's it's. I suppose it's called that for a reason. Um, so <laughs> this is gonna throw a wrench in everything. I didn't see the lighthouse. Um, so of the four, I've got nineteen seventeen last. <laughs> um, I do think the. I will agree with Chris that the the scene with the flares and the the, the burning church and whatnot in the city it is beautiful and it was maybe my favorite single scene visually this year and it was just gorgeous but i felt very distracted by the one shottiness of that movie and i I found it to be 
you know, David said he never forgot that it was a one that it was one, trying that it was yeah. trying, and that to me took away from the story. And if this and if the cinematography, even even if it is beautiful and even if it is really well executed, if it is distracting from the film, at that point I start to have an issue with it, and it just was for me. So I've got Once Upon a Time third. Uh, which leaves uh, Scorsese and uh, Imitation Scorsese, and I've voted for Scorsese over <laughs> Imitation Scorsese. Um, also really like the cinematography in The Irishman. I mean, it's Scorsese, too. He just knows how to frame scenes and whatnot. The the slow uh, tracking shot through the nursing home mm-hmm. was just uh, really powerful to me because it just sets the tone for the overarching sadness of the, of that movie. Um, I thought it was really effective. So the problem, though, is that you know I've got I technically have 1917 on my list, and I don't have the lighthouse. But I, um, we've got a number one vote though. Yeah, we've got two. We've got two. Yeah, oh, it's two for, one one. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. Yeah. Yay, lighthouse. I was wondering, it was your? I was. Yeah, I was confused. <laughs> throwing in the chaos because you have you have to have the vote for the one that wins. Yeah, it's <laughs> like is this a rule we made up? Do I make this rule up? I was for some reason was afraid. I was afraid that me having 1917 higher than the lighthouse meant that 1917 would then tie it. So, <laughs> yeah, I didn't want that to happen. So, all right. So that's going to take us to some of the uh, bigger awards, bigger names. Uh, we're going to do a little writing duo, um, original screenplay. Last year we unanimously gave it to First Reformed, and uh, Green Book went up. Why, why, <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. No, I'm just I hated it the most. All right. <laughs> Nominees this year are uh, for 1917, Sam Mendes and Christy Wilson Cairns. Um, Knives Out, Ryan Johnson. Marriage Story, Noah Baumbach. Uh, Parasite, Bong Joon-ho and Han Jin Won. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino. Um, Man, it's fucking stacked Yeah, this yeah. year. <laughs> Uh, I think I probably liked Once Upon a Time less than anybody, but I do think this was a highlight. And I actually looked up the screenplays and thumbed through them. Uh, thumbed through them. They were online. But um, <clears throat> I have Once Upon a Time last, especially with some of my favorite lines in Once Upon a Time I realized were ad-libbed. It was like the first time that Tarantino was kind of let that happen. But like the Rick fucking Dalton line was all Brad Pitt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, any year where I've got fucking knives out, not in the top two, is just crazy. Yeah. Because uh, the screenplay for that was amazing. <laughs> but. Yeah, I really like Knives Out, and I wish that in its you know sole appearance here I could give it a nod. But Knives Out is not in my top slot either. Uh, screenplay for Marriage Story is just you know a <clears throat> just, that, that is just a a, a well constructed story from uh, bookending the letters to each other to um, uh, I think like. When I think of, of screenplay, I also like try and force myself to think of like stage direction during uh, like narration or dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's I'm a parasite stan, and I think I'm gonna pu- punch it in here. Yeah, I've got it at number one, Marriage Story at two. Yeah, 1917 at four. Um, mainly for a lot of the stage direction stuff we talked about in 1917. Like everything is explicitly written out. Yeah, and, uh, Parasite's kind of the same way though. Like. All the actor and actress reactions are written uh, in script, which is kind of phenomenal to think about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, um, 
Yeah, Quentin Tarantino is kind of out of my my top two, um, even though I like the movie a little bit more than you guys did. Um, it was a it's a real like fight to the death for me for Parasite and Marriage Story. Um, I am gonna go with Marriage Story though. Um, it is the most uh, kind of play like, and I think the dialogue is pretty masterful. And just knowing some of the background of the big fight scene that uh, in some of the director's roundtable of everything pauses, people talking over each other, all that stuff is explicitly in the script. And uh, I think the screenplay builds tension, you know, alleviates with, with jokes uh, really, well, really well in that. But Parasite, close number two. Man, it is a it is clockwork. That thing is intricately and exquisitely crafted. And Driver and Johansson even talk about the pauses on the actress and actor roundtables. Yeah. Um, it's a recurring theme. Marriage Story, close number two for me as well. Uh, I have, I think, yet to vote against Parasite. <laughs> this entire... Uh, uh, in this entire cast, and I'm going to now. It's marriage Story for me. Marriage yeah. Story it was a this was a clear shining trait of Marriage Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, hearing about how I mean, you know, it's I think it's always the case with Bombach where there is no improvisation at all. Every single thing yeah. is yeah. written down. In I think the he movie. like encourages it and lets them, but is always like, nah, that's better. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's you know, it's uh, it's really impressive then what they were able to do, and for every pause, like you said to be oh. scripted out like that. It's just, I don't know. It was breathtaking, the yeah. dialogue in that movie. So, it's, uh, as, as much as I love Parasite, I'm, I'm going Marriage Story here. So, we're deadlocked. Uh, Parasite's number two for me. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, it's going to be a true tie as well. Yeah. Um, I am, am fine with either seeking out post-podcast what, like, you know, Al or Kelly or somebody would have here. I'm also fine with having two winners here. I know that's like against everything we said when we started this. Is like we have to pick a winner. They don't a, though. <laughs> if they tie, like the Oscars yeah, but fuck tie. them. I, we're not doing this for them. We're they're they're giving us movies. I don't want to pretend that we're a voter because they all suck. So we'll do our own fucking thing. Yeah, for me, it's like the, the gap is so short in between them. Yeah. yeah, probably. I'm guessing for all of us. Yeah, yeah. it's not like your number two is always away. Right, yeah. and it's not even like I want to award Marriage Story. Like, no, it's actually fucking amazing in a movie that I loved. They do very different things, like, both exquisitely well, so they're so hard to compare. Yeah, and they were both so detailed in the pauses and in the mm-hmm. reactions. Uh, and, you know, even, like, Noah describing the breakdown of Driver, like, when you read it in the screenplay, it's like, yeah, he did that. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. He did exactly that. And and just, like, the, on, the, the, the difference in the ensemble nature of Parasite and the lack of in marriage story is just it's 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 hard to really split that hair yeah. for either side so. also really i do hope bombach wins here because it's stupid he's not nominated for director i mean i don't know sure i'm okay with ty if we can get consensus we're all okay with that i like it i just think the margins are so narrow and both films we all love <clears throat> And honestly, the tie is probably the most reflective thing of how we feel about these movies. Yeah. Which is like these two kind of far and away. Yeah. There's not a first yes. reformed this year, yes. which was just like a dark horse blew us away. Kind of like Lighthouse did in right. cinematography. Right. I've got Once Upon a Time third, Knives Out fourth, and uh, 1917 fifth. Yeah. But they're so distant for me. Yeah. All right. So we'll do a tie. Parasite and Marriage Story. The both first for- ever. 
Original screenplay. Tucky Tucky Tie. Yeah, it'll be in our Wikipedia article. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, whoever whoever records the uh, Talky Talk reaction podcast will uh, have a lot to. That's also, also us. Just <laughs> in different voices. Talking Talky. Talking Talky Talk. Us and Chris Hardwick. <laughs> All right, so let's go on to the other screenplay category. Um, last year we said uh, Black Klansman should win. It was a unanimous 4-0, and Black Klansman did win. So we're back on track here. Good for, oh, I forgot to add a tick mark for us. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so this year for uh, Adapted Screenplay, we got uh, The Two Popes, Andrew McCartan, uh, Joker, Todd Phillips, and Scott Silver, The Irishman, Stephen Zalian, Jojo Rabbit, Taika Waititi, and uh, Little Women, Greta Gerwig. Can I do my, uh, this is going to make things difficult for everyone, I think, not knowing how you guys are going to vote. Um, I'm the person who was the huge proponent of Logan because I love comic books being adapted. Uh, th- that is not my, my rallying cry this year with Joker. I think it was like great, but we already talked about how much of that movie was built kind of organically mm-hmm. after the screenplay. Almost They almost used like the screenplay, it seems like, as an outline. Yeah. Less than an actual like screenplay, um, but my vote's going to be for Little Women here, mm-hmm. um, and I think that there is a, an expertness with which you can take a text that has been adapted so many times and update it to feel accessible for all comers, um, and I just really appreciate uh, that how well Gerwig kind of made this feel modern while being so truly a period adaptation. Uh, and I just really, really liked it. Um, it's super well said and I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it does feel very modern for the upteenth version of this. Yeah, for a film that still stays true to period piece, you know? Yeah. It's real weird. Really, I thought the difficulty level was high Yeah, for that. So the I, I can't remember if it was even even any of us or if it was someone else who uh, one of the problems they had with Little Women was the structure. Mm. Do you think that's the if you have a problem with the structure, do you think that's the fault of the the screenplay? And I would, I, would, I, would, I, would I, would, I was I know I did. I'm not saying I was the only one who did right. uh, have a problem with that, but I lent it more to editing, okay, um, and not like seamless transfers. Kind of between the two periods. Right. And I, I kind of... I, I think that there are more tricks in the bag of a creative writer-director um, that should have been utilized to make the time... Uh, you know, the, the the differences in time and perspective that uh, Gerwig should have used, which is why I'm not mad she's not nominated for director, mm-hmm. um, that just went underutilized. And I don't think that's the fault of the screenplay, but I think maybe... You know, cinematography. I saw little hints of like color use that was, I think, meant to imply a change in perspective and time period, but just wasn't as overt as it needed to be. Yeah. And likewise, I think the editing is, is where that failing exists. Mm-hmm. I wasn't as bothered with it, uh, but I, I do see that argument. Um, Part of the same director's roundtable is that she has a similar approach that Noah has. In that, like, the overlapping dialogue and all that stuff was pretty explicitly in the screenplay. Um, I would imagine that uh, the time changes and all that stuff would already also be pretty explicit in there. But I do understand that the screenplay having that, you could probably um, execute it better, you know, maybe editing or or direction. 
I would say that's that's pretty explicitly Greta's version mm-hmm. to to jump back and forth. Yeah. TJ, so, what's your vote here? My vote is Jojo Rabbit. Um, <clears throat> I've read Caging Skies, which is the book it's based on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of a more like loosely based. Like, there's no Hitler best friend. They never. The word rabbit isn't in the book. Like, it is pretty much like a kid who, you know. Pretty much like a retelling of like an Anne Frank type situation, mm-hmm. um, but the the overall story there is so great uh, for him to take that story and truly like adapt it. I felt like uh, into the story that happened there uh, through with we've all seen it, yes, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. through with uh, the mother's death uh, and you know the father's story. Uh, Aside from the like six or seven jokes that were in the movie, I don't feel like it was I feel like it was kind of the, the least Taika Waititi movie he's made to this point. Um, but I thought the the story that is echoed through the screenplay was just exquisite. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering. I was I was thinking, huh? I wonder if I agree if it's the least Taika Waititi movie. And then I thought about all his other movies, and I was like, oh, they're all the most Taika Waititi. Movie. <laughs> well, this one so, was the yes. least funny. Yeah, yeah. like to me, yeah. and I, I feel like it wasn't trying to be like. There were some jokes in the beginning and some jokes kind of when the Gustapo comes. But everywhere else, I mean, there were like little <laughs> moments. Yeah. But there weren't like big laugh out loud jokes like he has in so many of his movies. Yeah. I really loved uh, Little Women when I saw it. But after it, I saw Jojo Rabbit and it actually narrowly gets my vote over Little Women. It was really close. Yeah. I'm also on Jojo Rabbit. I think it's it's one of these things like it lands for you or it doesn't. I think he balances the tone in a high degree of difficulty situation. Obviously, you know, concentration camps and Hitler best friend. It's, it's a tough uh, tightrope balance, but I think he kind of nails it. It's very, it was very affecting for me, the things that are affecting. And I do like, for a thing that has all kinds of crazy stuff, like throwing grenades in the in the woods and running through it, that the restraint they have, like for the mother's death scene, I think is very good. Really well acted by the kid. That's yeah. yeah. To you. So, it's got my vote. Breezy? Well, um, there it is. Uh, sorry, couldn't find it. Um, <laughs> Go back to the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I voted for uh, Noah Baumbach to get a, a statuette for original, and I don't want that to be an awkward car ride home, so I'm voting <laughs> for Little Women. Uh, so I'm deadlocking us. Uh Pretty much everything Chris said, um, and just it was what I had prepared to say on Little Women, which is just the the this movie was wildly accessible to me in uh, in an impressive way, and I think I've tried to watch some past versions before, and I just never really could get into them. And there was just something about this the script that and the interactions between the characters that was really vibrant and. I just was enchanted by the movie. And I think this is probably the major aspect of the movie I was most enchanted by. Was See the nineties ones the nineties one like this year and it just y'all are right, it does feel so old. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And this one just didn't without updating it in some like quirky yeah. way. Yeah. There's no like modern music like yeah. that weird. Or introducing new do. characters or right, something. Right, right. Where'd y'all have JoJo on your list? Fifth. Second. As as David said, it either works for you and it doesn't. It just didn't for me. Yeah. That's all. Um, well, I think Little Women. I'm down. It was very close yeah. for Little me. Little Women's my number two. Yeah, mine, mine as well. Oh. Don't worry, I tanked a win too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> it, it feels a little bad when you, you're just so down on a movie, but yeah, yeah well, whatever. 
All right, Little Women takes it. Congrats to Greta Gerwig. Now they can have kissy Oscars. They can. All right, so now we're getting into uh, acting nominees here. Uh, Supporting actor up first. Last year, um, after some horse wrangling, we had Sam Elliott actually as our winner. Yeah. And uh, the actual winner was was it (laughs) Mahershala Ali. It was. I would have rather have seen Muhammad Ali been given uh, an an Oscar last year than the editor for Bohemian Rhapsody. But uh, talking, well, yeah, about- I mean, there's some crazy implications of Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to have seen that too. I would rather reward him for staying out of movies than for that editor. For his performance in Richard Jewell, <laughs> Muhammad Ali. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so this year's uh, nominees: we got Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes, Al Pacino, Irishman, Joe Pesci, Irishman, and Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'll jump in real quick. Uh, this, having seen uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman, and Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and only those four for so long, I was like, this is the easiest slam dunk Brad Pitt pick for me ever. Um, even though I love Joe Pesci in The Irishman. But man, Anthony Hopkins was fucking amazing in The Two Popes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was actually my favorite performance in that movie, uh, more so than Price. Mine too. Um, so he, he gave Pitt a run for the money. But I'm I'm still voting Brad Pitt here. Um, I think he was the one like truly amazing, uh, consistent part of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. For me, um, yeah, my my top three: Hopkins, Pitt, and Pesci. And uh, echoing what I said earlier in when we talked about The Irishman, is is one of my favorite performances of the year. Um, just how quiet it was and powerful it was. I'm still gonna go with Pesci over Pitt. It's pretty close for me, mm-hmm. but uh, I love what Joe Pesci's doing on that movie. That's still my favorite part of that movie. Yeah. Nice. I guess I'll go. Um, this is an unfortunate category for me because it's three movies I don't really care much about. Um, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which was fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I'm, my, it's, it's a, I'm going to vote like a regular Academy voter and just say I liked Brad Pitt in the movie that I liked the most out of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Hank's doing Hank's shit in Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. He was fifth um, for me. I liked, I liked uh, Matthew Reese in that movie better than Tom Hanks, but, you know, you can't nominate them both for supporting actor. Um, and Hopkins is good, but I also just, I had such a hard time giving a shit about that movie. Um, and Irishman, uh, there's just, like, most acting, I guess. Yeah, I like Brad Pitt. All the stuff we talked about, about the screenplay and the ad-libs and Tarantino just kind of letting the actors play helps me pick uh, pick Pitt here also. Yeah. Uh, does Hopkins have more than just the one Oscar? No, this is the one. I mean, it w- as, as much fun as it would be for him to win a Best Supporting Actor for what really is a lead performance after winning Lead Actor for what really is a supporting <laughs> performance, um, I do have Hopkins in my top three. I'm, I'm kind of where David is, which is I've, I've got sort of the clear top three of, of uh, Hopkins, Pesci, and Pitt. Uh, Hanks is kind of is fifth for me. Pacino is just has to be behind Pe- Pesci in that movie. It's mm-hmm. really good, but... Um, yeah, I had trouble ordering these top three. This was one of the hardest categories for me. Um, and so I kind of just went with uh, what Chris did, which is just like, which one was just kind of fun. And honestly, I'm okay even going the, if this wants, if we want to make this a, 
a uh, you know career achievement finally for for a, a great actor. Uh, Brad Pitt is my vote. Um, I cool. got no problem going that route. They're they're that close for me. Two of them have Oscars. One does not. Pesci does have one, right? For Goodfellas. Yeah. 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 Okay. And for posterity, I probably have uh, Pitt, Pesci, Hopkins in that order. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm Pesci, Pitt, Hopkins. Great. So, Hopkins, Pesci. Brad Pitt wins it? Brad Pitt wins it. Wins it. Good job, Brad Pitt. You're pretty. Yeah. He needed to hear that from us. <laughs> I think he's probably going to win, too. Yeah. Should be a fun fun acceptance. I'm wondering where the upset is going to be. I'm looking at like everything above the fold here, and I'm like, every year I feel like we find one that ends up being like a, wow, I didn't expect that. Like Olivia Coleman for Glenn Close. Right. Like, the locked-in thing doesn't do it. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll see if we can spot one. We're going to continue to supporting actress. Last year, uh, we awarded uh, Rachel Weisz for uh, The Favorite, and uh, it ended up being Regina King, um, mainly because not a lot of us had seen uh, um, If Beale Street Could Talk. I think Chris was the only one who had seen it. Yeah. 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 Um, but this year's nominees, we have uh, Kathy Bates from Richard Jewell, Margot Robbie from Bombshell, um, Florence Pugh from Little Women, Scarlett Johansson, Jojo Rabbit, and Laura Dern, Marriage Story. What a tough category. I mean, as far as like you, all of all of these performances are phenomenal. They are all very good. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I had trouble ranking my two sets of rankings. Kind of how we've all talked about how we do it. I had a, a bottom three, which was really good, of Margaret Robbie, Kathy Bates, and Scarlett Johansson. And uh, didn't really bother ranking them because they were the bottom three. Right. And knew I was going to have to pick between Laura Dern, who, again, kind of like the supporting actor category, I was like, it's Laura Dern. This is going to be fucking easy. And then I watched Little Women and I was like, damn it. <laughs> Florence Pugh is fucking amazing in this movie. Uh, <clears throat> I ended up taking Dern. That is damn close. And uh, I could be persuaded easily. Um, Florence Pugh's best performance of a year where she had three great performances, I thought. Let me go next. And I'll say, ditto. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for same bottom three, same difficult choice at the top. I mean, Pew almost had... She had to play, like, two roles in that movie. She had to play, like, the child and the adult when everybody else got to basically play two different versions of the adult. Right. And she, that's really hard for her. And it's really impressive that she excelled the way she did. But and she had, like, days before got done with Midsummer, which is, like, another level of difficulty. Not yeah. that that matters for this vote, but, like, fuck. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, for, for me, I had the same dichotomy, but I landed with Pew. Nice. I think degree of difficulty, rather than marriage story kind of being right in Laura Dern's sweet spot, kind of coming right off Little Big Lies and kind of do that, but better Yeah. in marriage story. Not to denigrate it, I obviously love the movie. Right. I think it's a great performance, but Florence Pugh, um, you know, you're exactly right. It's two different roles that also have to be continuous um, to play it, and she's also, man, is she just a magnetic performer. Her voice is so unique, and uh, she really—it's a—it's really easy to hate her character, you know, for some of the things that she does to Joe and some of her petulance. But I really end up feeling for her and really enjoying her performance a lot. So I'm going with Florence P. You know what you said about Laura Dern? It is—I mean, it is. She is. It, it even though I'm not—I'm definitely not changing my vote. I'm still voting for Laura Dern, but it's—it's. <laughs> Um, it is interesting, it, like, that role is just so Laura Derny to begin with, mm-hmm. the way it's written, and she's just so perfect for that role, mm-hmm. where it's like, all she has to do is just bring that, like, that typical Laura Dernness to it. 
But that's also the credit of them casting her in this role. Right. Mm-hmm. So it winds up being a great performance. Like Jonathan Price and the Two Popes. Yeah, where the guy just like Googled like who looks like the Pope. Yeah, <laughs> it suits her really well. So Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm not going to complicate things. Uh, that's not my intention. By choosing this, this is how I actually feel. Um, Florence Pugh has cashed a check that she doesn't know she has, which is that I will see anything she's in ever, yeah. forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so ready for the death race to be over so I can go back and watch Lady Macbeth. Yep. I'm like so excited for it. Yeah. Uh, frequent contributor Al has beaten us over the head with I Told You So two years ago. Right? After he yeah. saw Florence Pugh and Lady Macbeth. Um, but yeah, Lord, I, I, I won't, my vote is for uh, Renata Klein uh, in uh, Marriage Story. Uh, the the Laura Dern of it all is just so good. Um, whether it was perfect casting or perfect acting, either way, it's just to go both execute, the same. Right? Yeah, it, it could be, be both. It would Man. be like a waste of Laura Dern if she didn't nail it. That's yeah. what we'd say. Like you had Laura Dern and you, you couldn't pull it off, and she did. Yeah, me and Brent were chatting yesterday about like what scenes they'll show at the Oscars if they do that this year, like as they announce the nominees, and uh, one from Marriage Story that they won't show because it doesn't have nearly as much carry nearly as much weight if you haven't seen Marriage Story, but her talking to Ray Liotta about like the benefit thing outside mm-hmm. the courtroom. This yeah. is so lawyery. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. Adversaries <laughs> in the courtroom, friends yeah. outside. Yeah. yeah. It really expands her character. Yeah. In such like a it's kind of a it could be a throwaway scene, but it's just like the other side of, of her is this is also her job and she also has to connect to people that are like breaking down. It's such a good job of balance in the first scene where she's in too, where you don't know mm-hmm. if she's like a money hungry weasel or she cares. Yeah, like you couldn't tell. It's almost like a love scene, like a meet cute. Of she's kind of seducing this character, yeah. but just by being real and like talking through your options. Yeah, yeah. With like the cookies or whatever, we're like these are really good cookies, and she's just like, "Oh, we'll get you some to take home." She's yeah, like, mm-hmm. lawyers <laughs> <laughs> always working. All right, so Lord Darn, she wins. Yeah, and uh, Florence Pugh close behind, very close, second. Yeah. If we, do, have, if we do Talkie Talk Awards, me and Brent were talking about definitely having like a breakthrough star category, and she would like be running away with that this year. Yeah. I think it is running away with, but I don't know if you can, where Thomas and McKenzie fits in with breakthrough. Yeah. She would, whether, she whether was, it's last year or this year. given it to her last year. Yeah. I would add. Thomas and McKenzie. Yeah. But I, she's not nominated for the Gold Derby Breakthrough Award, so I don't know. Maybe she was last year. Okay. Hmm. I'm not sure. She was in a she was a major force in a top ten movie for me last yeah. year. So yeah, makes sense. Yeah. All right, now we have lead actor. Um, last year, uh, this was the most complicated horse wrangling. Chris <laughs> Christian Bale ended up winning because TJ promised us if we had seen it, we would have given it to him. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I still haven't seen it. Yeah, who's seen it? I think Chris had seen it. Yeah, I have. Yeah. But the problem was that I didn't really like it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So Christian Bale won it last year for us, and Rami Malek ended up winning the Oscar for Bo Rap. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was Brent, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> we know. <laughs> I like Rami Malek, just not that performance that much. Uh, nominees this year are Jonathan Price, The Two Popes, um, Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, and Joaquin Phoenix for That Joker. I don't know how the Academy's going to decide. I don't think any of these guys wore giant teeth, like giant rabbit teeth, during the, their movie this year. So, uh, it's tough. Uh, I will say that I I can split this into two groups. Uh, unfortunately, the top group is really hard for me. Uh, my bottom three, in no particular order, are Banderas, DiCaprio, and Price. My top two are Driver and Phoenix. 
And I don't know what to do with that information right now. Same. Hadn't seen Banderas, so I'm glad he's not. You're not like arguing for him at least one. He's really good. Yeah, I've I've heard he's. I would say I probably have a top three and then a bottom two. Banderas is really good, so I have Phoenix, Driver, and Banderas in kind of a top tier. Yeah. I have three categories, three tiers. Uh, I have Jonathan Price all alone by himself at the bottom. Sorry, J- sorry, JP. Uh, then I have a pretty solid middle three, and then a pretty easy vote for Adam Driver for me. Okay, it was just I was that affected by his performance. That's kind of where I'm landing on that. I, I, I wish there was some award I could give Joaquin Phoenix for like championing this film and probably doing more for it than Todd Phillips did. Yeah. Um, and I thought he was just incredible and in what his body went through throughout shooting and pre and post shooting like needs to be rewarded in some way. But I feel like this was just like a Joaquin Phoenix movie and I feel like he needs to be awarded for something at some point because he's one of the greatest actors that we have right now in that like age range. But so is Adam Driver. <laughs> yeah. So I think Joaquin Phoenix would probably settle for the Oscar he's about to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think that the cash helps too. Um, I'm sure that he made a truckload of money. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Joker. Um, but I, I agree. It's really, really difficult for me when Adam Driver is such an important component to the whole machine that is Marriage Story. Mm-hmm. Marriage Story really is the sum of all of its parts, and Driver is really important, no pun intended, force driving this thing. Um, whereas Joaquin Phoenix is Joker. The movie, not just the character. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, <clears throat> I, I I guess then if I'm like flipping a proverbial coin, um, the way that I would land would be that uh, if movies are meant to make you emote and feel something, I think Driver had a more affecting performance than Phoenix did. And not that that's what Best Actor is supposed to be, but that's just where I land here in this one tie. I wonder about Driver as well. Um I think I was before. I wanted to make sure there wasn't anything I was missing in any other performance. But, uh, I mean, scene of the decade for me, acting was from him in the, in the big fight scene. Yeah, for me, I initially had Joker this morning, and I've this is the one I've been tossing up the uh, the most. I'm going to do Adam Driver, also just for the range of his performance, I think is bigger than Joaquin's. Joaquin does his, like... You know, he's in his one lane and he just like nails it out of the park more than anyone yeah. I think has ever done. Yeah. Driver gives you like the entire range of human emotion, I feel like. Like frustrated, angry, he's funny, he sings, he cries, he's devastated, he's vulnerable. Yeah. I think he does a amazing job. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Adam Driver. Driver takes it. I thought that would be a four oh uh Joaquin. Yeah. No, he's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just you are some interesting and surprising people. <laughs> Thanks. And I guess. treasure y'all. <laughs> also, TJ and I are making this difficult because we both told you guys we are deciding these on the fly. <laughs> so when we say, like, this is how I have them ranked, it's like, for now. <laughs> I've gone against my ranking several times. So. <laughs> yeah, I've changed mine, too. Yeah. Uh, so now we have a lead actress. Last year, Olivia Coleman. we had, and she ended up winning. So we, we saw it coming. You hear to her... You heard it here first. It's kind of an upset, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a pretty big upset. Yeah. Um, Who was supposed to win? Glenn Close. For the uh, wife. She had won every precursor. Yeah. Leading up to that. Um, for lead actress, this year we have Cynthia Erivo in Harriet. 
Charlize Theron in Bombshell, uh, Sarsha Ronan in Little Women, Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story, and Renee Zellweger, Judy. I don't want to talk shit about any bad performances here, but I have Renee Zellweger and Cynthia Erivo in the bottom uh, of my list, I think. Uh, I think Renee Zellweger was great. I just was kind of over it after uh, a little time. I don't know if that's the fault of the movies or not. I know that mediocre movies can have a base of performances because in the Talkie Talk Awards three years ago, I voted for uh, Natalie Portman and Jackie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so. And also, as a, as a similar, I know y'all don't agree on the movie, but I was a huge fan of Francis McDormand in that movie that I hated like yeah. two, three years ago. Yeah. So I know it's possible, and I don't think Zellweger's performance was good enough to over for that. Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got Charlize Ronan third, uh, not far behind Charlie Theron in second, and Scarlett Johansson from Marriage Story taking it. Uh, I think for every Adam Driver piece of amazingness, the kind of constant tone that that character is is showing throughout the whole movie is, is so consistent and uh, really interesting for a movie that you know we know takes months to film. Um, I've really felt like she was the kind of was really hard to differentiate. She did an incredible job of kind of being always solemn. Yeah, in that movie, I was, I was super impressed, dude. Yep, I had uh, I hadn't seen Harriet yet. Um, I doubt that that would probably factor into my winning here. Um, Bull prediction, it won't. Yeah, <laughs> David, Theron, if you I had... agree to vote for Harry, because I <laughs> promise you it's going to be your number one. Oh no, I'm anxious again. Uh, Sh- Th- Charlize Theron, I had fourth. Renee Zellweger, I had third. Um, and then it between for me, it was between uh, Little Women and Marriage Story, Johansson and Ronan. And as much as I'd love for... Sarsha Ronan to get that uh, Lady Bird Oscar that I tried to campaign for <laughs> years ago. I'm also going uh, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, if that movie is imbalanced, it is toxic. Yeah, you know it is. It completely disrupts the recipe, yeah. and she balances it out. She has a little less screen time, maybe a little bit less um, uh, agency in the movie as far as like our perspective. Because we see the first part, the second part is kind of where a lot of the fireworks are. Yeah. But for me, that's kind of what differentiated it is Marriage Story really works because it's balanced in terms of uh, their kind of skill of what they're showing up there. We yeah. we really yeah for that movie to work, we really have to uh, empathize with both those characters, but also like not just see their side of things, but like see what they're doing to each other as well. Right. And how they are making things worse for each other, um, but in a in a way that's understandable. And a lot of that is credited to Noah Baumbach's script, but also, like, he has to have perfect performances to yeah. pull that off. And neither one of them winds up being more sympathetic than the other really, yeah. in that movie, and that is key. So it is... Yeah, I think Chris was the first one to see that, and I was like, who does it side with? Is it real sad? And he was like, mm, it's not real sad, and it doesn't side with anybody. And he's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it's it. You know, you I would compare it to like Kramer versus Kramer, where I feel like that. I don't know when I watch Kramer versus Kramer, I very much side with Dustin Hoffman's character in Kramer versus Kramer uh, because I, I think Meryl Streep's character is pretty awful to him, and so that's one thing that I never really liked about that movie is how there's just such a I don't know how my reaction created a side, but this movie uh, there there is none. Um, I'll go ahead and follow David because I have the exact same rankings as David, except uh, Harriet is fifth. So I was able to rank a fifth one, and Harriet is fifth. So it's uh, it is Johansson over Ronan for me. 
Yeah, I've got Johansson over Ronan too. Although I wouldn't be surprised if this is where we do see our upset. I know that the Academy is like locked in on Renee Zelliger for Judy. Um, but if it's if it's if it's nowhere and it's a boring award ceremony, then like cool. Like why even like worry about when we hold these awards, just let them give them out as the movies come out. I think um, I think this is probably the biggest chance. Because yeah. like last year Glenn Close was in the wife. It was the sole nomination up against a Best Picture nominee and likable person, like in performance in Olivia Coleman, and she ended up winning. Yeah. You have the same kind of thing this year. Judy has, an, it's got the makeup nomination, but it's not in Best Picture. It doesn't have the big apparatus that uh, Marriage Story has. It at least has, like, you know, it's being seen in a ton of categories. Yeah. And Johansson, I mean, after being snubbed for so long, you got two this year. Two nominations. Yeah. I don't think she's going to factor in many people's ballots for supporting. I could be wrong. I think usually when that happens, you either lose both of them because they're split, or it's just more um, momentum for you to get the one that's the obvious one. Yeah. So, there's yeah. a chance. I'd, also, I'd accessibility. Like, I think a lot of these veterans watched Marriage Story before. They, were, they weren't even thinking about the Oscars when they watched mm-hmm. it. Right. You know what I mean? I doubt many of them, like, just happened to catch Judy. You know what I mean? <laughs> and plus, Zellweger is already an Oscar nominee. Like, do you want to give her her second Oscar or, right? you know, coronate someone new? Yeah. Yeah, she's won and she's been nominated, what, three times before this? Yeah. So, yeah. But, but I also wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, the Academy loves Saoirse Ronan. I wouldn't be surprised if the upset goes to her as opposed to Johansson. But yeah. this, this is where I'm calling my money upset on Gold Derby. Nice. Mm. That'd be cool. Even though, you know, even though I'm voting for Johansson, I, I, that would be... It would be very cool to see Trisha Ronan win an Oscar. Yeah. So, uh, sounds like last year we went 4-0 and Olivia Coleman. So, you're welcome, Scott Johansson. You're welcome. All right, now we're in the top two awards, uh, Best Director. Um, last year, not a lot of conflict there. Alfonso Cuaron, we said he, he's the best. Academy agreed. Um, this year, we choose between these guys, all these men. Todd Phillips for Joker, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Bong Joon-ho for Parasite, and Sam Mendes for 1917. It's Parasite from TJ. <laughs> you pretty, didn't direct that movie? Pretty, Is that your newest fragrance? Pretty easy pick for me. Parasite, Parasite um, by TJ. It's <laughs> just my own <laughs> fragrance. Um, yeah, I have 1917 second, and then uh, three other movies that I don't think were directed particularly well. So it was a pretty easy choice bop, bop, for me. Bop, 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 bop. <laughs> you hear that? That shot's fired. Yeah. It's Parasite. I think no, Bombak should have been here. I think Greta Gerwig should have been here. I think Taika Waititi should have been here. Yeah. So it's there great. you go. Parasite <laughs> for David yeah. as well. I had Tarantino in my second place, 1917 in my third place. Um, but yeah, I was never not going to award Parasite for I was, best director. And I was waiting for something to be like, oh, like I was waiting for that like La La Land kind of like, oh, that's the director's movie, and it just mm-hmm. never happened. Yep. I mean, if we, all the conversation we had about 1917, like, it's, that feels like Roger Deakins' movie. If you would have told me that he had the director credit on that, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I'm also Parasite. Uh, me, Parasite, as well. Uh, let me see that bong. <laughs> bong, 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 bong. <laughs> No one needed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we deserved it, though. <laughs> All right, we've been in the last two categories, but they're just so boring. We know. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yep. 
Uh, and then we'll just jump to picture then. Um, last year, uh, we were split on Roma and Parasite, or Roma and The Favorite, and they went to number twos to end up crowning Roma, ended up being Green Book. <laughs> um, so this year we choose between these nine, Ford v. Ferrari, Little Women, Marriage Story, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, The Irishman, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, in 1917. I will say something. All the, I started this exercise at the beginning of last year, around this time last year. Uh, all of these movies are better than Green Book. Yeah. yeah. That being said, the year that Green Book won, all of those movies were also better than Green Book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Agreed. I had Green Book over Bo Rap, I think. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Did Bo get a Best Picture nod? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> we were scared it was going to win. That's why Green Book didn't seem that bad. <laughs> As a winner, I was like, well, it could be worse. It could be worse. Yeah. But yeah, these are all better than both those movies. Yeah. Do we want to. Yeah. I mean, do people have a live ranking of these? I've got these ranked. I got them ranked. Okay. Um, my number nine is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, number eight is 1917. Number seven is Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, then the movies get good. It's Joker. Then the movies get great. Uh, Jojo Rabbit. Then they stop getting good, but they're really amazing. So the Irishman is there at number four. <laughs> then Little Women, Marriage Story, and Parasite at number one. All right, I have uh, number nine. I got Joker, Irishman in eighth, Ford v. Ferrari in seven. Um, where's my six? 1917 is my six. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, my fifth. Um, and then Jojo Rabbit, four. Little Women, three. Marriage Story, two. Parasite, numero uno. Uh, number nine, Jojo Rabbit. Number eight, 1917. Number seven, Joker. Number six, Ford versus Ferrari. Number five, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number four, Irish Man. Number three, Little Women. Number two, Marriage Story. Number one, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. <laughs> Bong Joon-ho's. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't rank them. Uh, my number one's Parasite. Also, yeah. <laughs> uh, it almost we, we don't really need to. <laughs> it felt like such a futile exercise when I was thinking about ranking them in my head, and I was like, it doesn't matter. We're, I mainly did this because I feel like Ford vs Ferrari is like everybody's, not y'all's, but like the critical world's like throw in nomination. And I was like, no, I like this movie better than a couple of films. Yeah, yeah me, me too. too. Yeah, it it I made me care. Didn't dislike it as much as I disliked three movies. <laughs> on this yeah. Yeah, I like, I like Ford vs. Ferrari. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's an unfortunate year. We talked about how there's like a tier of movies this year that were like fucking phenomenal and nigh untouchable up at the top, and it's just that Parasite is just yeah. a little bit better than Marriage Story. I think all of us have Marriage Story number two. Only mm-hmm. only two of the like there are I think three movies this year that I would just I was blown away by, and it was Midsummer, Marriage Story, and Parasite. Yep, and I had the same three. Yeah. Um. <laughs> is uh, 1917 the, the favorite at this point for this award? Think so. Yeah, so this is my upset pick for the Oscars while we're talking. I think I think Parasite's got a good chance. I think it's picking up steam. Uh, it won the Writers Guild and crazily won SAG, um, which is the biggest voting body in the Academy. Uh, I think... Uh, probably would. I'm, I'm guessing it's going to do well at the BAFTAs. Mm-hmm. I think they... 1917 being an English production, they tend to award stuff like that. Yeah. But that doesn't matter. For the Oscars as much, right? Uh, the vote's already in, so doesn't matter who won at this point. There, yeah. um, but I think Sam Mendes gets director. I think Parasite wins Best Picture. I think we have a split this year. Hmm. No, I don't think there's any other movie that can do it that can take 1917. No, I think Parasite's the only option at this point. I think so too. 
And it just fucking deserves it. <laughs> the one thing, a lot of movies lately, to, to to get through to Best Picture, it's no longer like editing or directing, it's screenplay. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like, what could win a screenplay award and get there? That's like Green Book and some of the upset stuff. You know, Spotlight, Besting, yeah. Big Short, and uh, The Revenant. It did a screenplay win and then Best Picture. Yeah. Um, That's Parasite's true. I mean, got a chance of, of screenplay. I think a pretty good chance. Or it's up against like, 1917, he, which is interesting. I think he, we'll, yeah. we'll know something there. I think if somehow, if it doesn't win writing, I think that at that point in the ceremony, it's out for best picture. Uh, yeah, if Tarantino wins his third screenplay Oscar and Tarantino, or Parasite doesn't, yeah. I think that means 1917 wins it. Yeah. The other sneaky thing that could happen is Jojo Rabbit, you know, won WGA. If it ends up winning some stuff, like costume and some of the technical stuff, wins screenplay, it could be like a weird, like... They create like a Moonlight level. I mean, Moonlight was still yeah. number two, though. As, as everyone's third favorite movie that year, it could win. Right. I think it's pretty unlikely, but I think, for me, that's the only other thing that could Yeah, I think Irishman's out. There. Little Women's out. Joker's out. Joker's out. You know, I'm going to predict the uh, Oscars, uh, the upset happens, and it's going to be a movie about actors and Hollywood. <laughs> and once upon a time in Hollywood. But what if it's a movie about actors and Hollywood in Marriage Story? Uh, that's the wrong kind of actors. That's New York <laughs> fancy theater actors who who think they're better than us Hollywood movie makers. <laughs> they are. Well, cool. So we've all got Parasite as unanimous number one. Yeah. Uh, Oscars are this weekend. Yeah, overall win totals, Parasite has uh, got six of our awards, followed by Marriage Story with four of our awards. And then Ford v. Ferrari is the only thing to win more than one with the double sounds. <laughs> vroom, vroom. <laughs> Can't just have one vroom. <laughs> Nobody ever says that. Well, all right. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, stay tuned to the Oscars uh, th- upcoming this Sunday, and we'll break down uh, either an article or whatever, and you can tell us how we did. Hey. <laughs> so, <laughs> this has been our overstuffed episode of Talkie Talk, the podcast from MediaBias.com. You can find us on Facebook on our groups, TV Bias, Movies Bias, Games Bias. You can send us an email to MediaBias at gmail.com. Tweet at us at the media bias. Please rate us on your favorite pod snatching app. Give us five stars or better if you've unlocked that secret sixth star. Um, and then I want to give a special thanks to our intro music by the Willow Walkers. Willow Walkers. And outro music to Barifa. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Turn off your computer now. Bye. <laughs> Kicking rocks down old dusty roads Small town slowpokes long time ago Kicking out records of all the things that I know